Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind, the official launch of the show. We uh, tried a couple test pilots out, all things Ghostbusters, and uh, well, I tried to say Ghostbusters, and I got kind of <clears throat> uh, Ghostbusters, and then we did an episode where we collected up our old episodes of Back in Tunes, cleaned them up, put them together in a big package, and uh, speaking of big packages, Jacob is my co-host. I'm Michael. How you doing? One of us has... A... <laughs> <laughs> I'm flattered. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yes. Um... And I just have a huge melon. Uh, and I wrap it up in saran wrap to keep the, the weight. I don't know where I'm going with this joke, so fuck it. Bailing, bailing, abort! <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, my god, we're about to crash! Alright, so uh, this show is going to have two different styles. Uh, we'll do all things whatever. Um, we're, this episode is going to be all things Masters of the Universe. Our next episode will be all things Weird Al. We just discussed it like literally right before we recorded. By the way, I recorded for four and a half minutes of me going to the bathroom, getting something to drink calling Jacob twice and not coming through testing the speaker and I didn't realize I was recording the whole time so that was awkward and uh, yeah. uh, and then we will dive from time to time into hey what happened in 1980 for a few episodes in pop culture then uh, 81, 82 you know, go, we'll have like a mixed format that way we don't get bored because frankly it's he doesn't get bored I do I have an attention span of a gnat oh, gotta go uh, wait a second like uh, attention spans of a gnat if anything Oh, yeah, no. I think our uh, former president, uh, Bush Jr., had like a, a, t- a, uh, a short attention span. Yeah. My fellow Americans, I would like to present to you, oh, look at the kitten. Look <laughs> at that kitten. I had to steal that from Robin Williams. But, hey, it worked. <laughs> um, nerd news real quick. You just went and saw Birds of Prey. What would you think? Oh, my God. Dude, I fucking loved it. Like All the characters were on point. It definitely uh, should have been called Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey. Is it definitely is more her? She's a central character, but every time the supporting characters come up, they definitely steal the show. There's a lot of depth and background to them, like in such a short uh, little time. Uh, everybody acted out perfectly. I loved uh, the actress who played Black Canary, and when she unleashed her canary cry, as you see in the trailer, uh-huh. oh, it's a beautiful sight to behold. Is that Mary Elizabeth Winstead? Winstead? No, she plays Huntress. Oh, okay. She was badass, too. Um, and it's yeah. rated R, so there's all sorts of language. Yeah, they're saying the box office for this isn't very good, but I'm, a, I'm, I'm I, don't be fooling. You, re- you released it in February, you fucking morons. What did you think was going to happen? Uh, two, it's an $84 mm-hmm. million dollar budget, which isn't that bad. It, international, it's already covered that, that. It's up to like $130 million or something like that internationally. And oh, yeah, they're going to be fine. It's, just, it's almost as if they're waiting in the wings, pun intended, to, uh, to smash this in the face with a giant sledgehammer uh, for whatever reasons. I feel like I was talking to a guy today at the the gym. He's a comic book guy, and he says, I don't want to see that. I'll never see it. And I was like, why? And he goes, oh, I'm not all about that SJW woke. And I was like, well, I guess that's the end of this friendship. Jesus. I know. Plus, that's not even what the movie's about. It's yeah. just Harley Quinn's solo movie. She, dump, she dumps Joker. She moves on. But my God, uh, Ian McGregor, again, him and Margot Robbie – easily steal the show those are the two best performances everyone has a great performance and does you know wonderful with their character yeah but these two are, are the biggest show stealers and again Ian McGregor god oh, he was just he encapsulates Black Mask I, and I'm, of course you know, I'm hoping this gets him some more attention because you know his career revival because his career was Des he was off doing TV uh, he did Fargo and he's really good in that but um yeah, a lot of his stuff being barely released, and he was in big studio stuff that always bombed. And then he did Doctor Sleep, which is supposed to be his big comeback, and it did not open. Yeah, it didn't make any money. 
uh, everybody was shocked because the hype was so big and the, the reviews were so strong. Just for some reason, no one cared. I don't understand. And uh, That's a damn shame. Yeah, oh, yeah, so, Train Spotting sequel. Right, and that didn't do very well. Um, the, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, are they doing the Obi-Wan show? Is that still a go? Yeah, I mean, they it is on hold because I guess Kathleen Kennedy doesn't didn't like uh, the approach of how it was written out. Okay. And there's rumors that it's going to be shortened from six episodes to four. I'm like, what the hell? But it does make sense to make this an actual show, an episodic, rather than an entire movie. That might be stretching it too far. Yeah, maybe. Especially with... Yeah, but I'm glad that this show is still on schedule. And you can't ever screw over Ian McGregor like that. I no, mean, no, he... No. You already screwed him once. He was they the... screwed him off and they, they, they took the movie away when Solo bombed. Oh, God, yes, that's right. Not to mention, um, what they were doing, what the, he, that he was the only good thing about the prequels. The only redeem, well, yeah, basically. one of the very, yeah. very few redeeming things about the prequels. Yeah. The expansion of the Star Wars universe, um, the lightsaber fights, the pod race, and the use of new special effects. Okay, four things. And Ewan fucking McGregor as Obi-Wan. He yeah. was on point. It was perfect. All right. <laughs> so in my uh, neck of the woods, I just read RoboCop Revolution. It, I know it's from ten years ago. I just discovered that it existed. Uh, Dynamite did a mini series that takes place after, I believe it's between parts two and three. And I have been very apprehensive because everything with RoboCops in the comic books have been pretty fucking uh, low rent. I don't care for it. this. RoboCop Revolution is exactly like the first movie. It hits it on the the head. I was absolutely the jokes are hilarious. The satire is full on there. Uh, Murphy and um, uh, and oh damn it, Lewis Lewis um, are together, and uh, I'm going to send it to you because I actually think it's wonderful. And um, apparently, it didn't sell very well. So it was oh, just that one. Dude, it was just that one miniseries. That was it. Dang. Yeah, it's. Uh, Do I have that? I know. I'll just check to see if I have that graphic novel. Yeah, if you if you don't, I'm gonna it, send it to you because uh, it's really good. Was it by Frank Miller? No, 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 not that one. I hated that one. I know everybody liked that one. I did not like this. This one is by Rob Williams, and um, it's uh, about the police force being completely taken over by OCP. Everybody gets fired, and they replace them with all Ed three o nines. Ed three o nines. Oh shit! Yeah. And uh, they force Murphy to stay on instead of protesting because he's their property. If they, he doesn't, they'll they will we own ninety two percent of you. We can just leave you in a plastic bag and take the rest. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, exactly. I mean, just yeah. like they stated in the second film, you know, like they were not going to put him back together because he's off warranty. Yeah. Uh, well, that's because they want Detroit to fall apart anyway. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the thing. <laughs> they're, they're starving the people in this, and it's a revolution of the people who live in Detroit taking on OCP. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, other news, uh, as of this recording right now, Sonic the Hedgehog is uh, overwhelmingly higher ex um, than expectations. Uh, studio was calling for $40 million weekend, uh, including Monday, and uh, some predicts, predictions were at $50 million, and as it looks right now, it's going to be $66 million just from Friday to Sunday, probably $75 million if you take in um, a President's Day. That's huge. And uh, mm. it seems to have a decent... It's around, what, 70% on Rotten Tomatoes for a video game movie? To be financially successful yeah. and critically loved? Uh, has that ever happened? Because I don't think so. Holy shit. No. Ramp Rampage did not make its money back. 
Tomb Raiders did, but they weren't much loved. Same thing for Resident Evil. Uh, Silent Hill, maybe? Oh. The first Silent Hill was successful and uh, critically well-received. Yeah, no, maybe the, yeah, the first one yeah. for sure. But, my God. Uh, yeah, no, again, people were really hyped for Sonic, and he's been around, and he's like one of the, you know, especially if you're... Um, growing up in the 80s or in the 90s, then yeah, Sonic was part of your childhood. Yeah, he was everywhere for kids. Well, I think this is, is no. Last year was his 30th anniversary. It was supposed to be released for his 30th anniversary. I think it was last year. Um, oh wow! Well, as old as you, you and Sonic share the same birthday. Are you Sonic? I have a feeling I've seen your haircuts. <laughs> no. um, the redesign clearly worked. <laughs> and, and Jim Carrey, this is a big comeback for Jim Carrey because we haven't seen him in a studio movie in five years, six years. Dumb and Dumber yeah, it's been a long time. time. Yeah, yeah, it was for sure. And he just, he does definitely uh, seem to stay quiet behind the scenes. I know he worked on a show about comedians and Showtime not too long ago. Yeah, and he was also on another show about Showtime where he starred in, and he got critically uh, applauded for that. So now him coming back onto the big screen and playing the main villain, Doctor Robotnik, a little less, I'm like. Yeah, this is something I've got to see. Yeah, I just want to see him be uh, funny again. I, I appreciate the drama stuff that he does, but people love him because he's wild and crazy. And he went away long enough, just like Keanu, went away long enough for us to miss him. Exactly. And shit, everybody loves Keanu. Yeah, look at fucking Sandler. Sandler uh, kind of faded away from theaters for a while, and then he does Uncut Gems. It's a hit, and uh, people are talking about him again. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Um, what is the final bit of news that has connection to the main part of this show? Well, I do want to say that uh, the anime series for Masters of the Universe is definitely ongoing. Uh, they did release the cast list. I saw who's voicing Skeletor, Mark Hamill. Love him. God, dude. He Again, ever since Last Jedi, dude. I mean, yeah. I get, oh, God. I know I people hate it, but it. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Oh, the people, I mean... Then again, people hated Empire 2 way back when, so... Yeah, that's true. That's why we had to get fucking Ewoks in the Return of the Jedi, because the sales were really low, and people were like, I don't know how I feel about this. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know, but, oh god, Rise of Skywalker, they watered down with so much fan service. I don't know if you haven't seen it yet, I have not seen it yet, because the lukewarm, uh, joking, pun intended, whatever, lukewarm reception has kind of made me uh, apprehensive. (laughs) It'll be be on video in like a month, so... yeah, I'm buying it. Don't get me wrong. Overall, liked it, but there's a lot I can criticize. And when you see it, we'll have to discuss. All right. But yeah, um, there's that. And Chris Wood is voicing uh, He-Man. Oh, yeah, Sarah Michelle Gellar's Tila. Harley Quinn Smith is in it. I forget who she voices. Uh, it's it's a character like, I don't even a, know. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Conroy is Beast Man. So uh, yeah, pretty Jason much anybody is Stinkor. <laughs> There's only two, if I remember yeah. correctly, there's only two He-Man figures that had a scent. One was Moss Man, the other one was Stinkor. Moss Man, Jesus. As if you had shoved four pine cone scent things up your nose. Oh my god, it was horrific. You yeah. missed. You missed all of this. So this is, this is a little bit weird. So, okay, at the end of this, this is the all things He-Man. And you and I are going to discuss part of it. But we also have episodes from our past where we discuss things in this universe that I'm going to add on to this. Uh, we discussed, it's, this episode's going to end with uh, the second episode of Back in Tunes we did six years ago. Um, and I was so sure you were part of that, Jacob. And I listened to it, and you're not. You must have been at work. It was me and the uh, one of the original co-hosts, uh, Chris. And uh, we, we discussed He-Man. And then you and I, a few years later, did the He-Man, uh, sorry, the Master of the Universe movie, the live-action movie. 
So those will be added on to the end of this episode. But we watched New Adventures of uh, He-Man. <clears throat> and then we watched the 2003 series. Um, what did you think? Okay, New Adventures of He-Man, I remember primarily uh, as a kid due to the fact that I had the action figures and we had a VHS. Uh, you did? Away. Now hold on a second. Yeah. You were one when that came out. Maybe two at best. Uh, yeah, I definitely remember having some uh, in Oakley. I was only like five, so I probably had it for years. Okay. And yeah, like I said, it's just very vivid. I, but I know my oldest brother was definitely into Masters of the Universe, especially with the um, live-action movie. That's what we grew up on. That's what introduced me to Dolph Lundgren. And the anime one, I'm like, okay... Skeletor looks too goofy. I can't take him seriously. Why does he have eyes? Because it was definitely more anime style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, what, it, was like, a, yeah it was no. a French production uh, lined up. With, this is so weird. Okay, so a French company went into went into it with Mattel. I almost said Marvel with Mattel. But then they had a Japanese company actually doing the animation. So why did the French company even need to be there? Why didn't Mattel just go straight to the? I don't understand. This is a weird period because there's a lot of these French-Canadian slash just straight-up French slash American productions that look like this. They all went over to Japan, and it's it's really strange. It's like this international group putting together. Distribution or something. Which is so wildly different than the original series, which was all American. Of course, yeah. I mean, that was Filmation, Deke, and I believe were the ones who uh, distributed the original Masters. Uh, it was just filmation. Oh, okay. Alright, so I was wrong about D. You're, Maybe I it's because I always see G.I. Joe, the second series we discussed. Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so and this... that D. It almost popped up after every cartoon I watched as a kid. When I was a kid, uh, He-Man, I, ha- I had some of the figures. I came in on Wave 3, which was 1984, and I had the, um... Battle Damage He-Man and Battle Damage Skeletor, and I had a few other figures. I believe I had Snout Spout... Uh, trap jaw, triclops, many faces. Um, I think I had Orko. I can't remember any others. My sister had She-Ra and a couple of those figures, but um, oh, and she had, huh? Battle Cat was one. Yeah. Um, as far as the as far as the original line, I don't think I ever had any of them. I know we had a couple from the movie. We had Gwildor. <laughs> Low rent. Know, Orko dude. wannabe fucker. <laughs> Before oh, Admiral yeah. by Billy Barty, though. Oh, yeah, no, hands down, yeah. And Gwildor, he was, uh, he had to be a substitute due to the fact that they didn't have that kind of tech back then to properly do Orko. But Gwildor was more of an adventure, tech-savvy kind of guy. Yeah. Not magic. Right. But still, I mean, I thought it played out really well. And honestly, that is a movie that's aged better with time, but we'll get to that in a minute. It as far as the uh, action series. The special effects are uh, absolutely amazing. I can't believe it. We just you know, we, don't, we don't need to discuss it because we discussed it a few years ago, and we'll, we'll add it to the end of this episode. Um, but uh, my uncle, who's just a little bit older than me, like three months older than me, uh, he kept up with the Master Universe line, I believe, up and through uh, Series 6, which is 1986, I think, or I'm pretty sure it was 86. And he had one where, uh, um, oh shit! I, I, you put you could put the guns on top of his head. I can't remember the blast fire or something like that. This is the part where everybody's gonna get mad. We're not. We don't really know He Man that well. It's just kind of a, a entertaining thing where we just kind of touch upon the subject. So if that makes you mad, go ahead, Bale. There were a million different like 
figurines and yeah. different characters. I'm like, how can you keep up? Right. Well, no, I was watching a video of it this morning, and it's like there's four figures in wave one, six in wave two. Uh, of course, there's a few accessories along the way. But the, by the time you got to like 85, there was like 12. And it's just overwhelming. Then you had, you had the She-Ra figures going at the same time as He-Man. And then you had all the gadget ones. This is, it, it, the last couple runs were so lame. It's like the way it was with G.I. Joe. They're just bringing back the popular characters and just adding some sort of new toy to them. Like, oh, he has a clap jaw kind of thing on his hand, you know, a, a, a propeller fist. It's weird. Right. Oh, I think Wave 5 was definitely the one in 86. 87 was... Wait, 87 was... No, 87 was the right. movie. That's right. That, that's... Uh, uh, and I didn't know this, that a lot of the figures that they created for the movie, not only was it because special effects were so hard to do... Um, it's also, hey, we get to introduce new toys you can sell. Mattel's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Clamp Champ. They had some, like, really weird named characters. <laughs> yeah. There's Clamp Champ. Okay. That's when, like, Gwildor was being introduced. Right. And then there was Blade. He was also one as well. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, but the 89 series was to reboot it because in 88, I don't believe there was a line. And then in 89, uh, it was Desidore now, and they started production on it, and then it premiered in 90, and it was hard to follow for me. So they're on, they start off in space, and someone comes down from space, comes to Earth, and uh, recruits He-Man, goes back into space, but Skeletor follows him into space, and they start fighting on a whole new planet, and now they have a whole new cast, and uh, so the toy line, it, if I remember correctly, it was smaller than the figures that we were used to. They were more in line with, like, G.I. Joe-style figures. And uh, I didn't give a shit. I didn't give a shit about any of it. I watched it, and I just like, oh, fuck, I got nothing. I got nothing. Yeah, that definitely... Yeah, no, those action figures were small, and they weren't those big, bulky barbarians, like, from the original toy line. <clears throat> but later on down the line... Yeah, then came the 2003. And, you know, I was a teenager. I was kind of... I was growing out of action figures, and I was embarrassed if I had one. You know... But still, it, they looked more uh, more amazing and more detailed. And I honestly thought it was getting its popularity back, and it was just an awesome series overall. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, by the time I remember when this was happening, is, uh, once it was 2001, is all of a sudden everybody's like, hey, the 80s were fucking awesome. You remember the 80s? And we're like, yeah, of course we remember the 80s. And they started bringing back, I think Dreamwave was the first company to license G.I. Joe and Transformers, and those came back, and they was, those are huge. It was such a big hit, and all of a sudden, everything became hot property again. Uh, Thundercats got picked up. Um, what's the other one I'm thinking? Voltron, I think, got picked up. This got picked up. Yes. There's another one in there, though, that was really popular. It came back. Uh, Battle of the Planets. Um, uh, Alex Ross was behind getting that revived. And um, they, they redid the figures and gave them more articulation and really hyper-stylized them. And the, the 2003 cartoon it really is influenced heavily by those character redesigns, uh, more anime style, without looking like the cheap anime. That, isn't that the weirdest thing? Is that it clearly has some anime influence, but it looks so unlike American animation, and it doesn't look like anime. It's its own thing, and I was truly impressed. And the storyline is so much better. They dive into the mythology. The, the reins are off this time they don't have to have a message at the end of the episode like the old series they can actually have violence you know real battles and there can be consequences and i i, I really enjoyed it. i can't believe it's so short-lived 
I know. Yeah, that's what disappointed me. I mean, the last episode definitely landed on a landed off a cliffhanger. I mean, Skeletor is like having this like you know visions and he's this pain and Prince Adam and He Man are learning of the history of Grayskull, which was very unique and very you know awesome to finally see, especially because uh, it was from the sorceress's point of view because she'd been around so for so long and. That explains by the power of Grayskull whenever Adam raises the sword and chants that. Yeah. Because it's Grayskull's power. Super strength and all that. And then at the end, Skeletor, you think he's going to release Hordak, you know, from his prison, you know, but no, he destroys it. He kills off Hordak. It's... So I guess the difference is, the reason it's higher quality is, A, it was weekly. It was shorter seasons, and it was funded uh, in part by um, uh, Cartoon Network. It wasn't like the old shows where it was stripped, syndicated. They had to have 65 episodes. To churn out 65 episodes of high quality a season is basically impossible. It's, 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 it's so rare that you get high-quality stories and animation that many episodes a year. So, I mean, yes, there's only, what, 30 episodes, I believe, of the, the revival? Because it was the first season, and then there's the Snake Men arc, and then that's it. Yes. The, oh, yeah, of course. The ones beneath Snake Mountain. So I'm glad they went more into depth of stuff like that. Yeah, that was a huge I mean, line remember... in, uh, I want to say, 85. Uh, they started introducing all these characters that were snake-oriented. And, um, uh, and then I think on the good side, they introduced the rock kind of characters which is weird because we had the rock lords over on GoBots and they fucking blew and all of a sudden He-Man introduces a few rock characters and they're like alright no no stop it <laughs> this isn't the Fantastic Four man this is like multiple things yeah this is probably why Thing takes on that form because <laughs> that cosmic radiation blast oh god let's not go there that's gonna be a huge train did, uh, forget it <laughs> did, you ever, did you ever read any of the comic books no, but I did pick up uh, two new issues. It was called Master of the Multiverses. Okay. Where all these multiverse... It's new, too, and uh, it's going to be part of a six-issue series. Uh, the fourth issue is coming out next week. I tried to find a third issue at the comic book shop I was at earlier today, but no, they didn't have it. Nah, bummer. <laughs> See, yeah, you have that was the reason I went there. Yeah, you have the DC app. And um, I went on there and I read... Uh, I, I just burned through most of what they had on there. What's missing is, and they've collected them up in uh, uh, books, I think Dark Horse has them, is uh, there's a book about the whole history of He-Man where it has all the illustrations of the figures and, and, and concept drawings oh, and stuff like that. Wow. Uh, they have the mini comics that always came with the figures. And then there was, I remember distinctly that there were larger books. Um, what do you call them? They're not the little mini comic books, but you know when you, had, you were a kid and you had the Berenstain Bears books and stuff like that? That yes. size. Oh. And they were the painted ones. And um, I want to know if those are collected up. But I know there were some on tape, like books on tape from He-Man that were popular. Um, I never got to read those. There was a DC comic series that was going for a little bit. I never got to read any of those. What I did read, though, was when Marvel had its 25th anniversary, they launched Star Comics. Um which was more successful than the other line that they launched called New Universe. Star Comics was kitty-oriented and a lot of them were licensed. Uh, they had like Sectars and Popples and stuff like that. They had a few original creations like Peter Parker's Spider-Ham 
But the Masters of the Universe <laughs> comic was my jam. And they and they dived a little bit into the whole Hordak thing too because I remember there was a toy where there was slime that would pour down on you and it would turn you evil. And that was a big thing in the comic books. That slime was disgusting. My uncle had that and it just got everywhere. No. It was like a gak. You know, the oh, yeah. gak. It was kind of like that. Oh man, no, that's awesome. <laughs> who who know? Who'd have thought that would have been like you know a very successful accessory? Yes, to go but with toys? oh, get the get that slime on um, um, Moss Man. You're fucked. You are fucked. Oh. You're never gonna get that out of the fur. <laughs> yeah, and it'll stink yeah. even worse. Son of a mm. bitch. <laughs> but, yeah, as far as it goes uh, in comics, yeah, I remember him having a another comic line, and then. Mashing up with the injustice, uh, yeah, and, and that's it's more the revival, I believe. Guys, I, I want to remember who did the revival in 2003, which was part of why the you know the whole animated series came out. I want to say it was Devil's Due Press, I could be wrong, but then it lay dormant again for a long time. And I know they've tried to make another live action movie, they've been talking about this, I think, for about 20 years now when John Woo was attached. Um, yes, Jason Lewis, I think, was supposed to play He Man, and it just keeps getting picked up drop picked up and drop picked up and drop over and over and over and um i think adam rifkin if i remember correctly has a, a an episode of this podcast called uh the best movies never made and he pitched his version of he-man and he worked on it for a little bit but then it just got shut down and uh i don't know I if it's ever it. gonna happen i hear every year somebody is signed on and it's ready to go and then nothing ever happens i know it's like studios are like possibly a little bit too hesitant to try and start this little franchise of there. You it's know, so weird, though, because everybody's looking for a franchise, and Sony is one of the few companies that doesn't have a big catalog. Men in Black is dead. Um, uh, Spider-Man is all they have is, uh, that I can think of. Do they have other franchises? I mean, 21 Jump Street didn't t- uh, go beyond two. Um, Clyde of the Chance of Meatballs is done. What have they had in the last decade that has taken off? And I can't think of anything. Triple X, yeah, uh, come on. <laughs> that ended. Oh, God, yeah, the return of Xander Cage. No, I think there's going to be a fourth because it did so well internationally. But they have uh, the Valiant Comics that they're doing Bloodshot and stuff like that. And I think Archer and Armstrong. But they don't have anything. They have He-Man as the license, but they haven't made it yet. And it's just taking so long. I'm worried that 80s nostalgia is going to disappear soon. And uh, at least we have the cartoons. If the cartoons take off, and they don't look like that fucking Thundercats horse shit. <laughs> oh, the Thundercats go! God damn it! it looks so stupid. Um, I know it's part of that, that Steven Universe styled animation. Uh, yeah, yeah stop but it, just stop it. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I like the one in like what the mid to late two thousands. The one with the okay, Will Fredo is the voice of Lino. Oh, you know, I haven't watched that one. That should We should do a Thundercats episode. Well, uh, we, we should do a whole Rankin Bass episode because they did Silverhawks, Thundercats, and... Uh, 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 wait, hold on. Tiger Sharks, Thundercats, Silverhawks. Thank you. That's what it was. Yes. And that was the other one I was trying to think of from earlier. It was Thundercats that came back. And uh, um, But with He-Man, I think that they're letting those animated series take off and letting DC do whatever they want with the comics... Because they need to build some hype so that the movie will open well. And uh, in the comics, I think they've done a great job. They did a big origin miniseries. 
Um, they've done the multiverse where they, yeah, they take on the Injustice League and diving deeper into little corners of the mythos. I went through most of them. Sadly, I can't remember hardly a fucking thing. Except that Hordak is a huge part of this one miniseries. Um, and She-Ra uh, yeah. finally comes into his world. I think he, if I remember correctly, he went only over... No, I'm remembering this wrong. She-Ra did go into his world. That's how she was introduced. That's right. And not to mention the fact that they actually turned out to be siblings. Yeah. But I don't know if they'll attempt her in the movie. They were they were talking about having She-Ra in the 1987 movie, but they decided to go with Tila mm. instead. They even had concept drawings of it, too. And yeah, it's it's the whole Kevin Smith series. Everything writing right now is on those Kevin Smith animated series, because I believe there's two at the same time. One's going to be like an origin miniseries, and then one is a sequel to the original series. They're, they're going to ignore New Adventures. Possibly, yeah. Actually, in the comic books, New Adventures does show up. I mean, like I said, it's a multiverse thing. Even Dolph Lundgren's He-Man shows up with the cosmic key and a message from Gwildor. No! (laughs) I'm like, yeah. (laughs) But no, honestly, I will have to say about that movie, it introduced me to Dolph Lundgren, and honestly, Dolph Lundgren did a great job. I, I mean, he barely spoke English at the time. Think about it now. Oh, yeah. When you see him act now, unlike the rest of the actors... He doesn't have an accent. He just doesn't. It's more like a, he's not like he has a head cold. But Van Damme is, I swear his accent's gotten worse somehow. Schwarzenegger, um, you know, he still has such a thick accent. These guys, he can't seem to ditch it. But somehow, Dolph Lundgren, maybe it's because he's a fucking MIT Olympian uh, model genius. Uh, he was able to master. Exactly. Well, I mean, you look, okay. So he said when he was doing Master Universe, he barely had a, a grasp on English. Like, he understood it, but, you know, trying to get it enunciated properly was so hard. Then fast forward three years later, and he's doing I Come in Peace. And he's completely coherent. He, he's, he's a master. It's his best performance, I think. He's so good in it. That, that, that takes yeah, a really committed person. But, yes, I didn't know that Master Universe, for years, I didn't know that uh, on the last couple weeks, they ran out of money and shut everything down, basically. And they had this big elaborate fight they all trained for for weeks. And then, uh, oh, no, we're done. We're done. What about the final sequence? Ah, just here. Just shoot, shoot against a blue screen backdrop thingy, whatever, in darkness. And uh, we'll have the stuntman come in so Frank Langella can be let go. And you're like, what the fuck? What? It's just dumb. Yeah, I know. Canon but... pictures, you yeah, fucking no. ones. Exactly. I know. Exactly. Goddamn Golden Globus. Also, um... Yeah, no, the director himself took his own money and filmed that fight sequence. And what were they going to do? How are they going to end the movie? It's so dumb. I don't understand. Okay, so let me ask you this. If they ran out of money and they couldn't finish the big movies like Superman 4 and Masters of the Universe, how were they still in business for a couple more years before they went bankrupt and had to be bought up? And re- I don't understand what happened. How is it they had money yeah. for Death Wish 4? How did they have money for uh, Braddock missing in Action Three? They did. They did like ten movies in 1988. Why oh make my these? God. Why make these shitty fucking garbage movies in 1988 and not finish the two big ones that could have saved your ass earlier? If they had finished those movies properly, maybe they wouldn't have sucked so much ass and, and did so badly at the box office. It might have saved them. Exactly, like they're just putting out way too many movies on their catalog and overspending and just too much quantity, not enough quality. Yeah, 52 movies. They made a movie for every single week of the year in 1986, and I think maybe two of them were successful. 
Yeah, no, you gotta cut your losses. Dumbasses, dumbasses. Um, so, uh, anything else you want to say about Master Universe before we go? Again, I'm really excited to see how this comic series will end. I love where it's going. I've only got two issues out of, well, four coming out next week. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to Kevin Smith's series. I mean, Kevin Smith's been doing, Kevin Smith's been doing great. I love what he did with Kevin, uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot. I was actually very, very pleasantly surprised by that. Because uh, it was so heartfelt. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that his heart, you know, he had a heart attack and almost died. But I, I felt like he was moving away from the fuck. I, I, I tried watching uh, Strike... Well, I did watch Strike Back. And I just didn't feel it anymore. I was like, this is so stupid. This is so childish. And I told uh, Andrew... Uh, that it was good and he should watch it and him and his wife just hated it and they were so mad at me I was like well you don't have to fucking force yourself to finish it if you're mad you stupid assholes <laughs> just like those idiots complaining about the halftime show uh, you know Chris Hemsworth would be perfect for He-Man if he hadn't already done Thor but he's not gonna do both he's just not No, oh god you're right holy shit you're right maybe maybe Chris Hemsworth should dress up like that for Halloween, kind of like how Paul Rudd dressed up as Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> Maybe they should uh, get Liam Hemsworth and just like CGI Chris's body on top of him. <laughs> Liam could use the word. Not me. Isn't Liam? Oh, in, man, pretty... is, Liam is in the cartoon, right? He's doing some voices, I, I believe. I have to look into it. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, this is the official launch of this show. And uh, you're not going to find it. I'm shutting down Retro Rocket Entertainment, basically. I'm moving this over to a whole new thing to hit rewind. Do you like this show? Tell your friends. We're going to have uh, two episodes a month, maybe three, if we're lucky, if we can get it together. I have a lot of other podcasts I need to wrap up. But uh, I'm going to start a Facebook page for this in just a little bit. Um, it's going to be launched on its own under Podbean uh, called Hit Rewind. And then you're going to get a collection of new stuff. Uh, like like we just opened the show with the news that's going on right now. Uh, then we'll pick a couple topics to talk about, and then we'll bring out a couple of our old episodes that are cleaned up because I didn't know what I was doing the first couple of years. Really, I was just terrible. Are we kidding? I don't know what I'm doing now, Jacob. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> no, no. Uh, Michael, 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 you're steering in the right course, man. All right. Hey, keep your, you got to keep your head up. Oh, you got to keep your head up. And those lifts up tight, my God. Do you want us to crash it, man? I don't no. know what the fuck you're doing, but okay. <laughs> All right, but... I'm yelling. I'm trying to motivate you. That's what I'm doing. I <laughs> have the power! Now, I, I like to, to walk... That. I love to walk around wor work and annoy people with my Skeletor. Yeah, you boobs! <laughs> you think Skeletor... Do you think there's any strip clubs in Eternia and Skeletor walks into a strip club to go, Yeah, boobs! <laughs> Shake your money maker! <laughs> Show Skeletor! Right. Put him on the glass! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That would make a lot more sense with the, the fact that there's a, a figure in Wave 4 called Fistor. I'm not kidding. His name is Fistor. <laughs> oh my god. Did you know this? No, no. Did you know this? No. Alright, hold on everybody. I, oh. So fuck it, while we're at it, I'm going to go through this. You, you tell me, though, what were you saying about uh, who's doing the voice of um, Evil Lynn? Oh, gosh. Uh, Cersei from Game of Thrones. Oh, my God, why am I blinking on her oh, name? Oh, Lena Headley. Lena Hedy? Lena Hedy. That's it. 
That's right, it. Yes. So oh god, yes. It's pretty normal. I'm happy for that. It's pretty normal in the first couple runs of Master Universe. You know, nothing weird. I, I was kind of surprised that Zodak was originally meant to be a villain and then turned into a hero who basically is like the uh, Watcher in Marvel. Just kind of mm-hmm. just observing. Um, nothing really weird except they got cheap on us and made Faker, who was just a purple He-Man. Um, <laughs> where is it? Oh, God. It gets fucking weird around. Where is it? Oh, you know what? I think I had Cringer. If I remember correctly, I had Cringer. Oh, Fisto. Oh, that's right. Fisto is part of Wave... What is this? Wave 3? No. No, it's 4. Uh, Fistor. He seriously has a giant metal fist. Come on, man. Uh, Buzz Off was a giant bee. Mechanek had a spastic neck who would shoot up in the sky. Roboto was fucking rad because you could see his insides moving around. Cyclone nice. was a uh, one that could spin. Um, God, I, too bad. Yeah, Mechanek. Yeah, too bad had yeah, two heads. Yeah, was in <laughs> What's that? Oh, yeah, Mechanic was in 2002. Ram Man. No, no, no. I'm talking the um, original, the original run. Not, not your oh. generation, my generation. Um, Clawful, oh, no, who had course. a giant lobster hand. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, I think I remember Clawful. Um, I I, that's I awful. <laughs> uh, Jitsu, who was, I think, I think Jitsu was the first non-Caucasian action figure in the He-Man universe. He was an Asian samurai. Um... I wish they had listed this better than the way they do in Wikipedia. It's actually pissing me off a little bit. Yeah, because they have them separate between heroes and villains. Well, no, they list it as almost as if it's part of a story, and I gotta find the fucking placing in it. Uh, oh, you so stinkor, yeah, stinkor, spikor, who had spikes coming out of his fucking face. Uh, <laughs> so pinheads, brother on steroids. Spidor was pretty cool. That was actually earlier, I think. Spidor. By spike, yeah, he had like a little web kind of thing. He could climb, he could shoot across uh, your room. Oh, cool! So as long as with an actual elastic or any like kind of web adhesive based, you know, formula, and it would actually stick all over the place. Modular. Oh, Grizzlor. Grizzlor had a. Oh, that's another one. If you put Grizzlor in the slime thing, it's never gonna be fine. It's he was fur. He was just pure on fur. <laughs> oh. So like, he looked like a fucking yeah. beast man. Yeah, yeah. Double Trouble was another one with two heads. There was like three action figures that had two heads. Okay, with face. yeah. So this is the end. Okay, so there. Yeah, Clamp Trap was a series uh, from eighty six to eighty eight. Uh, Extendor, whose his arms could shoot out. If I remember, Blast Attack is the one I think that he could uh, shoot his. He's a robot, I believe he shoots body parts apart. Or he might have been the one that put his... No, Rio Blast is the one that could take the giant gun and put him on top of his head. And that was the last one that I had. Um, Scareglow mm. was a ghost who glows in the dark. It was fucking awesome. Uh, Ninjor was a, a, a ninja. Um, damn it, I know there's one in here that was African-American. And I was actually kind of surprised that I didn't remember them having an African-American hero. Which is a smart thing that they should have done it earlier on. Um, Did I? Didn't I just mention him a minute ago? Did you? Yeah, here, let me check. Um, let's see. Yeah, I could have sworn I just mentioned him. I feel bad. Oh, of course, of course we're going to forget the one African-American character. Jeez, we're such assholes. Hold on, man. I think it was and possibly... 
I, I'm sorry. Uh, well, I paused it because I was getting tedious. Uh, Jacob, you are correct. Clamp Champ is the African-American character. I really don't know what took him so damn long. Um, so I, I guess that's it. I, I, I wandered yeah. off the ranch for a little bit there. Hey, hi. Um, <laughs> okay, so we're going to say... Come back to the stable. Yeah. We're going to say our goodbyes now, and then we're going to slap on our old episodes and clean them up uh, for you to enjoy. We're going to talk about the Master Universe movie and uh, the old episode I did with Chris uh, from the very beginning, back in 2014. And Jacob, how do we always end these episodes? Namaste and good luck, my friend. And be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! There is a place where legends are born. Where the light confronts the dark. A world of incredible mystery. Magic and adventure. A world where colossal powers will collide in a battle to control the universe. place is Earth. The time is now. Masters of the Universe. Dolph Lundgren is He-Man. Frank Langella is Skeletor. And Meg Foster is Evil Lynn. Masters of the Universe. Coming to Earth this summer. about this episode plus i mean it's flash gordon it's so bad but it's so good i know it's ridiculous um i've seen this movie about four or five times here's the weird thing is i've only seen the movie like four or five times but i have listened to that soundtrack over and over and over because we had the soundtrack when i was a little kid and of course when you're a kid you don't have that much music oh my god i think most of my music was actually soundtracks now that i think about it beverly hills cop pirates of Penzance. Streets of Fire, mm-hmm. this. Oh, that theme song. Oh, God, yeah. Of course, my, I know. Favorite, it's my plus... favorite line is, Golden Alive? <laughs> I know, plus it's Queen. You can't go wrong with Freddie Mercury. No, you ever. cannot, ever. It can be anything. Think of three great movies in the 80s and uh, that they contributed to, and all three of them are awesome in their own weird way. Flash Gordon, Highlander, and uh, Iron Eagle. And, you know, they all did major songs in those movies. And, you know, they could have done some movie that everybody hated. But no, they did three movies that connected to generations. Indeed. All right, so I'll say this, though. Uh, This being the fourth or fifth time I've seen Flash Gordon now, I got a little bored. For the first time, I was no longer that. It's kind of slow. It kind of dragged. 
It does. I, I mean, I recognize that. I think watching it the second time as an adult now, I, I was like, it was only an hour and a half. Yeah, I know. what? It feels like it's forever, but it looks it is. amazing. The set design is top notch all the way. Dino De Laurentiis did not spare a penny on how it looked. No, Dino De Laurentiis. What does that name sound familiar? Is he the one who also worked on Masters of the Universe? No, he did Conan the Barbarian. Oh, you're right. Transformers That's, oh, movie, gosh. Evil Dead 2, Manhunter, uh, Army of Darkness. Uh, of course, Science of the Lab is probably his most well-known production. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, of course, it being, you know, all the praise it got and, you know, Anthony Hopkins winning Best Actor for playing Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. And, of course, he milked that first... to death. <laughs> he made those until no one wanted to go to him anymore. Oh, of course. Uh, I mean, or he just got tired of the character. Oh, no, I didn't mean Anthony Hopkins. I meant Dino De Laurentiis. He just kept pushing it, pushing it. Till, I, think, I think until he died. And even this, the TV show is going right now. Isn't there a TV show called Hannibal? Oh, there was. Oh, gosh, Mads Mikkelsen is the one who plays Hannibal. Oh, yeah. gosh, I love that guy. Is that still on the air? Is that canceled? I think it might be canceled. Okay. I don't know. I never watched it. Well, we're way off topic right now. Um, Flash Gordon, uh, here's the thing. is It came out after Star Wars. Everybody expected when this came out for it to have top-of-the-line special effects. Now, it does. What it does visually was very, very complicated because it's taking what was cutting edge at the time but also making it look retro. Like, it's, it's an homage to old serials. So it's not supposed to be groundbreaking, realistic, lived-in cute. It's supposed to look like it's from 1935, just the best possible 1935 there could be. And that's impressive because that makes a very deliberate choice to go campy and old school. Yeah, it did. That's, what I, that's definitely what I felt when watching this. But at the, And also, I think when this movie was, you know, being talked about trying to get into production, George, George Lucas wanted to do it, but they wouldn't, so he ended up creating Star Wars. Good yeah. move, George. Yeah, I think that he tried that with a couple things. He tried to get The Hobbit. Uh, I think he tried to get Dune, and none of it worked out. And yeah, so he ended up creating Star Wars, which, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, oh. it did amazing things, and uh, it set a whole new trend. I'm not why I said whatever. I think it's because... I know, it's like I, a Star no, Wars... Like, no, no, I started thinking about what he came back for. I was like, oh, Phantom Menace. Fuck. <laughs> Oh god! I mean, Phantom Menace. It was a cool title, but the only cool thing about it was Darth Maul and the Pod Race. Everything yeah, else right, was just right. garbage. It plus the whole Trade Federation thing didn't make any sense. But it was a good. But like I said, George Lucas, you know, creating, you know, creating stars. It was a great idea. I mean, just look at this movie. I mean, don't get me wrong, San Jones. I thought he was great as Flash Gordon. He had the hair. He had the look and everything. A former Marine. And, and he bleached his hair, but I'm pretty sure that's a wig. If not, they bleached the absolute hell out of that hair it's possible oh he did he still has his hair it's still prodded <laughs> well his hair is actually very dark and he usually keeps it short so it was kind of surprising you see this now you said that he was an ex-marine yeah he sir i know he served i didn't know that uh all i know is that he was in 10 you know the dudley moore movie right before this and that's how he got the offer yeah and uh you know, Melanie Anderson's in it, Topol, and you know what I really love is uh, Brian Blessed. He is absolutely amazing. Every time he would say, dive, I get like this like an energy rush. And uh, Max Boncito, man. Max Boncito is just absolutely amazing as Ming. And oh, yeah, those two just kill it for me. They're just like so awesome. 
Oh, yeah, he's going to be in the new Star Wars, too, speaking of. Yeah, that, that I was surprised by. Do I really want to see an old Boba Fett and have him see him as Max Montito? Not really. I want the mystery of Boba Fett to stay. I don't want to know everything about him, and I most definitely do not want to see him as an old man. Right, and plus, honestly, I think Jango Fett ruined Boba Fett entirely. Uh, there's nothing worse. It's George like finding get... out the entire history of the man with no name. You know, if Clint Eastwood were just to sit there for a whole fourth movie and just sit there, let me tell you about the story of my childhood. Like, no, no, I don't want to hear about it. Shut right. up. You know who I really liked in this movie? What? Princess Aura, or Nella Muti. Oh, my uh, God. Hubba, hubba, hubba. She's 60 years old. I mean, she's, I think, I don't know, Italians have great genetics. They stay looking young. I mean, look at Sophia Loren and Monica Bellucci. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, here's the funny thing is I saw the name of the writer, uh, and automatically I was like, why do I know that name? Lorenzo Semple Jr. He wrote for the Batman show in the 60s. Oh, my gosh. That explains the campiness. Yeah, and then, of course, he would go in the exact opposite direction and write these political thrillers, uh, The Parallax View and Three Days of the Condor. So that dude is kind of oh, wow. all over the place. So real campy, then real dead serious. Oh, wow. That's, that's, quite, that's quite a switch there. Oh, dude, he wrote another shitty comic book comic strip move, Sheena. Oh. Have you ever seen Sheena? No. I oh, not. my God, that is awful. we got to watch that. That is like Beastmaster okay, garbage. Oh, it's, oh, so it's worse than Beastmaster. Oh, my gosh, that... You know, I did hear that reference so many times from Sawyer in Lost. You'd always call that, you'd always say that's Ben's daughter. Like, you know, nice to meet you, Sheena. Yeah, like, I just actually that. love Beastmaster, even though it's a little campy. It's one of the best sword and sorcery movies out there because it has a full understood mythos. Um, the reason I said it was like a low-rent Beastmaster is because it has the same woman. The woman who started Beastmaster, Tanya Roberts, is also in Sheena. It's, it's really weak. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll have to look into it. But anyway... So yeah, back to Flash Gordon. This is actually the second movie this month that Lorenzo Semple Jr. wrote and that we made fun of. He also did his very last movie was with Gene Simmons and John Stamos called Never Too Young to Die. Gene Simmons? Yeah, Gene Simmons as a transvestite terrorist. As it like, oh no, that's I'm thinking of Richard Simmons. <laughs> no, that would no, okay. be, oh my god, it would have been so much better. <laughs> Holy shit, that would have been great. And one, and two, and three, and the bomb goes off. And four, yes, and five. Yes, I can. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, everybody said that uh, the Flash Gordon was a huge flop, but I'm looking at this right here, and it pretty much made its money back. Uh, budget was $20 it, million, made $27 million in America, and made a ton overseas. This wasn't as big a bomb as they said it was. No, not at all. And it had Timothy Dalton, who was like a... Damn good Bond. Yeah, you know, he's really good in this movie. I actually was really entertained by his performance. Uh, he does. I know. You just want to punch him in the face because he's such a dick. Okay, so there's a <laughs> sequence where they fight on that little board that goes in angles and has all those little spikes in it. Oh, yeah. How did they not impale themselves on those? Because I always thought they were rubber, but this time I really paid attention, and Sam Jones grabs onto it. It does not bend. Ah. Those were... They probably weren't metal, but they were plastic. But still, you land on one of those, you are impaled, and it stunned me. That hurt. Oh gosh, yeah, no, that had to have hurt. That was hor. That's just absolutely horrible. Ugh. Yeah, and uh, and, uh, and yeah, at the end of the movie, yeah, but at the end of the movie, it looked like it was going to set up a sequel, but that never happened. No. Thankfully. And here's the thing: is I remember reading twenty years ago on the back of one of those like sci-fi magazines I had, Sam Jones said that he was blackballed from Hollywood because. He demanded his proper pay for Flash Gordon. He was only paid for what was up front for shooting movies. 
and he never got his percentages. And I'm not understanding exactly how it is that Dino De Laurentiis is responsible for that because I kind of thought that was one of those things where the Screen Actors Guild took care of all that kind of stuff. I don't know. But he said he was blackballed because he tried to sue Dino. And uh, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I can't say that Sam Jones was given props for a good performance. A lot of people really hated his performance. And, you know, he did some stuff after this, but most of it was direct-to-video. And I kind of think it's just how it goes. I don't think he was blackballed because of that. He might have been blackballed because it also says that he quit the movie halfway through post-production. Wow. Did you notice that um, if you watch the movie again, listen to his voiceover stuff. And I was sitting there listening and going, wait, that's odd. He doesn't sound like he did just 10 minutes ago. He sounds like a person. It's like as if the director told him, we need you to feel younger and less, uh, less masculine. We need you to do a high-pitched younger voice. Seriously, watch the movie again. You'll notice his voice. Uh, goes high, okay. low, high, low, high, low, high, low. It's because someone else stepped in to do the voiceover for him and is pretending to be Sam Jones. Yeah, I know. His entire dialogue was dubbed by another actor. All of it? I, I know. It doesn't make sense. I mean, if I don't think it, I don't think it really did. No, I mean, let's not go entire. There is some there that you're like, uh, no, that sounds like him. There's some are like, oh, that sounded that. like someone different. Yeah. I know. It, yeah, but quite like I said, quite honestly, I don't think this movie. I mean, it overall. I mean, it was still pretty bad, but just at the same time, so good. <laughs> yeah, this is nowhere nearly as bad as Flash Gordon, the porn parody. Have you ever seen okay, that? Okay, of course. Well, oh, I'm two, not. Su- what's that? I am not surprised that there's porn. Par- there's porn parodies of almost every. Oh, oh no, movie. no, no! This is the first porn parody, as far as I know. It was like 1973 or 74, and it has really, really good special effects. And it, uh, it has a little bit of, it's, I wouldn't say it's triple X, where they're like, you know, penis vagina, penis vagina. You know, I mean, it's just like you see lots of nudity and there's sex going on, but no actual insertion. So it's, I, I, it's not so like, soft for. Yeah, it's like real, real close, though. And then there was a sequel right. I watched over and over in high school. Uh, it was called Flesh Gordon 2 meets the Cosmic Cheerleaders or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was a quarterback for the New York Jets. Yeah, and uh, it was insanely filthy. There's actually a scene where a giant claymation, uh, stop motion, talking penis comes after them, and I think it's uh, it's gay. It's a gay claymation giant penis coming after them, and it, uh, <laughs> it chases them into uh, okay. a cave, and it starts fucking the cave, and then all the jizz shoots out, and they slide down the jizz into. Uh, and it's just ridiculous. It's insane. Okay, I do say that. I mean, it definitely had an influence on some people. I mean, it. I mean, Sam Jones even appeared in uh, Ted, you know, right. the movie Ted by uh, Seth MacFarlane, and just you know they're out there partying with him, and he's just. <laughs> uh, he's like being a total meta version of himself. Yeah. Anybody who questions whether or not Sam Jones is a good actor, I will give them this. There is an episode of Stargate that he was on. I think in season three. He is absolutely top-notch. Almost the entire episode is about him. And he is so good in that episode that I instantly wanted to check out everything that he ever did. And he has barely acted in the last 20 years. It's really sad. Oh, I know. Like you just said, he was probably blackballed from doing any acting. But he is the CEO of Intercordon Incorporated, an international security company that provides diplomatic and executive production for high-profile clients. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Um, I... This is a borderline recommendation. I recommend it because it stands uh, on its ground where it says, this is going to be camp, and we're sticking to campiness. 
Yeah. It did. I would, I would highly recommend it, too. Especially, you know, it's like, sci, you know, it's kind of like a sci-fi and, you know, fantasy genre. And perhaps people that, like, who knows, they're probably all passed away. Like, the one who grew up watching the Flash serials and the, all the mini comic books, then yes, by all means, watch this movie. Alright, so our next movie is going to be Masters of the Universe. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, as a kid... I was batshit crazy for this movie. Like, I wanted it on VHS. I wanted it recorded. I wanted to watch it all the time. I wanted to be He-Man, but I never took steroids. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this in the theaters. Now, it took extreme amount of convincing for my father to go because the previous year, I talked him into seeing the GoBots animated movie, and he never let that go. And I said, let's go see the Master of the Universe movie. And he's like, hell to the no. No, 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 no. I'm not watching that. And then he saw a trailer for it, and he's like, oh, isn't that the dude from Rocky Four? Hey, that's the dude from Back to the Future. This is a real movie. There's lots of special effects. Eh, why not? Okay. And he saw it, and he wasn't mad at me, and I uh, got this on home video, and I watched this until the tape broke. Oh, yeah, no, I did the same thing. But thankfully, I have it on DVD, and I get to hear the commentary by the director. And, you know, just to get to watch this movie in good DVD quality. Yeah, there's of an course. App, there's an app on my Xbox. I can't remember what it's called right now. It's like Ubit Tube or something like that. It's very strange. But they have real movies. Up. It's almost 90% all like direct-to-video, low-budget shit. But they have like Top Gun and a couple other movies. But they have the Blu-ray quality version of Masters of the Universe on it right now for free. I just can't remember the oh, damn cool. app. It's, it's on my Xbox. I'm sure it's on PlayStation as yeah. well. I'll, I'll give it to you later. And everybody just look it up. It's a, it's a new app on the Xbox. Yeah. Um, you know, this movie absolutely pristine quality. Special effects look amazing. I'll have to look into that. But yeah, no, this movie, I mean, it would cost like seventeen million dollars. And of course it was by what was the production company? Golden Canon, Globus? Can, yeah, Can, uh, Golden, Golden Globus was the production company. Canon was the distribution company, oddly enough, owned by Golden Globus. Uh, the only Which reason, then got bought out by Warner Brothers. Yeah, the only reason they separated the two is because sometimes Canon would buy movies. So it wouldn't be produced by them. They would just buy it and distribute it. So um, this is a weird one because Warner Brothers, I believe, now owns the home video rights. But they do. the streaming TV rights are owned by Paramount because this was actually not part of the original Warner Brothers package. Warner Brothers helped out Canon when they were kind of out of money. They bought Cobra. They bought Over the Top. They bought Superman 4. And then they started distributing the rest of their movies on video. So, right. A Mass Universe, I still think, is an oddball because it's like with two different companies right now. I don't, I don't know. I know it is. It was pretty strange. And the reason why that movie was like crumbling and didn't exactly get to show what they originally wanted to do, you know, show more of, you know, Edenia and the rest of, you know, Snake Mountain and all that. Yeah, it's because you know they kept taking away the budget. Like even that that last fight scene between Skeletor and He-Man was from the director's own money. Yeah, the uh, the thing with I mean, Canon Pictures is they made a decent amount of cash from the Mission Impossible, not Mission Impossible, Missing Action movies, Delta Force, Death Wish, right? Um, Breaking, you know, a lot of low budget movies, and then all of a sudden in 1986 they decided we're gonna make a movie every single week of the year, which is insane. They literally released 52 movies in 1986. Not they pretty much crashed. That's what caused them to crash, didn't Yeah, too many movies, uh, too close to the vest. They spent too much money like uh, Life Force. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. It's uh, basically space vampires come down to Earth. Tons and tons of special effects. 
and uh, it didn't make a dime, but it's pretty entertaining. But that's what happened. They'd have like two or three big movies that cost way too much, and then like 50 low-budget movies that didn't make a dime. You know, they just sold them overseas, and uh, they just barely made money back. Yes, I will say, though, this movie, I mean, it definitely it starts off, it kind of throws you right in the middle of things. Had a good beginning point. Yeah. You know, it's like you're seeing the credits, you know, you're hearing about, you know, the power of Grayskull and the sorceress. And then all of a sudden, oh, boom. All of a sudden, all these black storm, these black stormtroopers are just gathering everybody up. And next thing you know, Skeletor's in, you know, he has taken control of, you know, Castle Grayskull. The, uh, the one thing that bothered me about the movie when I first saw it is the fact that there actually is very little connection to the cartoon. You know, Man, oh, yeah. Man at Arms looks fairly close, Tila and everything, but I, when it came to the villains, I'm like, uh, okay, Beastman, okay, I know you, who the hell are the other three guys? You know, who's the lizard man? Who's that little guy that looks like an Ewok on heroin? And, you know, that part oh, bothered a, me. He was a bat, actually. You could tell, like, you look at his ears and his stunted nose, he's he definitely more of a bat, uh, but just not blind. Um, That's what he looks it, like to me. And then Blade. And the Sarod and Blade. Yeah, Blade himself is pretty cool, but he wasn't a, an action figure or in the cartoon. So I was just like, who is this? I don't understand what's going on. Where, where's uh, you know, the guys that I know? Mechanic and uh, Triclops and you know, uh, I can't remember. Ram Man. Yeah, you know, where are the characters that I know? I mean, where the hell is Orko? I have to deal with Gwildor. I love Billy Barty, but Gwildor pissed me off. I could not stand that character. That's what, I mean, I did like that they cast Billy Barty. Billy Barty, of course, was the number one, you know, dwarf actor to go to. I mean, he's been around. He was in vaudeville. He's but, been around forever. Yeah, but why didn't Billy Barty just play Orko? What was what, what, that? Think, well, no, even the director admitted that they did not have the technology or the budget to, you know, properly work in Orko. Oh, then they decided to create There's another. Wires. So. There's wires. You can easily fit that in a sequence here and there. Just have them floating low to the ground. Um, I don't know. Like I said, you know, the, they kept taking away the budget, and they, you know, it just couldn't work anymore. Yeah, so they decided to just go with Gwildor. That's the I like Gwildor. I was so I was more used to. You you like Gwildor really? Yeah, I know. I kind of like you know preferred him over you know, over Orko. He was you know plus you know Gwildor was a techn technological genius. Actually, you know what? I I, like I, I feel like a hypocrite right now because I've been saying this about Orko. I forgot. I hate Orko. <laughs> I, I can't stand the I, I guess, I, I guess you can't stand the comedic sidekick when they're not that funny. Um, they've always been a problem. Cringer was a problem. Uh, Orko. Uh, what's the one again from Thundercats I always talk about? Snarf. Snarf. I can't stand Snarf. Um, yeah, the thing about Canon Pictures is I, I believe it was Superman 4 was supposed to have a budget of 25 to $30 million. Same thing for Master of the Universe. Actually, the budget for Master of the Universe, they said, was $22 million. And it was actually Superman 17. And Superman 4 was 17. Did they cut Master of the Universe 2? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Master of the Universe ended up costing just $17 million. Like I said, with the uh, you know the fight scene at the end, it was from the director's own money. Master of the Universe was so did it. good, though, in comparison to Superman 4. Superman 4 looks oh. bad. I kid you not, the sets, the production design, you know, the whole interior of Castle Grayskull, that was two sound stages. I thought it was like some of the most. I thought it was like one of the most wonderful sets ever. It's a shame they had to take it down. Yeah, plus Gary, you know Skeletor. Gary Goddard, the director, he really knew his technical stuff. He put so much time and quality into. It, if you say it was seventeen million dollars, honestly, the look of the movie looked forty million dollars. It looks amazing. Yeah, no, he made he made that budget work, and also like the look of Skeletor, Frank Langella, perfect. 
Absolutely Frank, perfect. I thought it Frank best Langella villain himself ever. Himself is perfect for the role. He loved it. You could tell he loved the role. Yeah, he did. Oh gosh, that scene at the beginning when he gathers up the power of Grayskull and becomes like a god. Oh, that whole you know monologue that was like one of the best monologues within science fiction history. Even though the movie was like you know as a cult favorite, it like even my friends that I've shown it to yeah. like now like when I was in college, they loved the movie. Yeah, and, you know Meg Foster's really great too um, as Evil Lynn. She's really oh yeah, I remember her from They Live. Now here's the problem with the movie. The movie has a terrible cast at times with the good side. Courtney Cox hasn't found her footing yet as an actress. She's not very good. Um, the, who's the guy from uh, James Toback from Back to the Future? He is a 50-50 yeah. shot. He's really good at whatever he's given, but the dialogue sometimes is so stupid that you can almost see it in his eyes. Like He's like, I gotta, eh, all right, I'll say it, whatever. Just let's keep going. You know, that kind of thing where it's like, you can almost sense that he realizes that whatever is going to come out of his mouth is stupid. But then he has moments where they're so awesome, like at the end when he realizes that he's overwhelmed. He's like, screw it, you only have one life to live, and he just starts unloading all, all those guys. That was awesome. Yeah, no, that was a, that was like his best. That was like his best, one of his best lines. Uh, and then, oh, oh gosh, the one who played uh, Kevin. I keep forgetting his name. I remember him from Star Trek. Was he on Star Trek? Uh, I don't remember. Which one was that? Yeah, with, with Captain Janeway. Oh, I never watched that one. Yeah, no, he was that's you know he was in that one. I keep forgetting his name, but he was really good in that movie. And also, um, that band, you know, his high school band, you know, where it says on the drum the name of the band, The Illusions. Yeah. That was actually Gary Goddard's high school band's name. Huh. Uh, of course, we have yeah, plus, to talk, we have to talk about Dolph Lundgren. First movie post Rocky IV, huge breakthrough role for and, him. But and he, a view to a kill. Yeah, he's well, he's barely in that movie, so let's not even count that. Um, he's hampered by the fact that he was trying to cover his accent by he almost sounds like a dumb jock with a head cold and and i think that hurts his performance because he's trying so hard to cover up his accent yeah no i I, th- I like i said i didn't see anything wrong with his performance i liked it no but he gets much Except- better he's really good in this little tiny movie he did three years later called cover up with uh lewis gossett jr and uh it's a political thriller he doesn't really have many action sequences in it. He's more of a smart government guy. And all of a sudden, you just, oh, holy crap, he knows how to act. He really knows how to act. And people treat him like he's a moron, but he's not a moron. He's actually smarter than all of us combined, probably. Oh, God, no. He uh, he got a degree from uh, his master's degree in chemical engineering at Stockholm University. Yeah. And he, and he was also. He, you know, and he was in the pentathlon in the Olympics. Uh, oh, yeah. But he just wanted and... to be an action star. And who can who can deny him that? Who wants to? Who doesn't want to be an action hero? Well, no, his instru- his uh, taekwondo instructor was the one who uh, thought he should do it. Yeah, he, sh- he should like go. He should go for it, and he did. And look, he's he, he still acts. You know, he still acts. He goes to direct to uh, direct to video movies, but I'm sure they're big uh, in their origin countries too. Yeah. If they go direct to DVD in America, well, his and other countries, movie with but... Tony Jaws in theaters right now. Oh wow! Yeah, he's I got, can look into that. He's got two movies coming out in theaters this year. True, they're usually limited release, and they're more focused on video on demand, you know. And uh, but still, he's in demand. People want to see him. Uh, whereas most action stars from this time period are fading away fast. But there's something about Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren that people really connected to. And I don't want to say it's just Universal Soldier, but you gotta say he gave a hell of a performance in Universal Soldier. Yeah, he did. Oh my gosh, he was a huge like 
that's how he could play a villain. Like that can solidify him as a villain in any film that if he were to be selected or considered. He is a good actor. It's just some of the stuff he's given doesn't give him anything to do except just kick somebody in the face, say a one-liner, and move on. And uh, that's the problem yeah. with He-Man is it really doesn't give him a whole lot. But you can see there's a couple sequences where he's struggling with the acting. Like he tries to say a line, you're like, oh, this isn't working. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, in, in some of the parts where he's yelling, that's where it kind of struggles. Yeah. But um, other than that, no, I thought he was, I thought he was spot on for He-Man. He had the look and the hair and everything. But at the same time, uh, another thing about that movie, it didn't really go into the origins. Like he would never revert back to Prince Adam. Or anything like that. Yeah, they didn't even talk about it. It might have been hard to explain in the, in the film. Plus, it, it gets in the way. If they redo it, they should explain the origin. I know people hate origin stories, but screw it. Let's just tell the story of Eternia so we understand. It. Let's see Eternia. You know, we never really actually got to see it. We never got no, to we see only where got he to see. was from, his family. Let's, let's go that direction. I know they've been trying for like a decade, ever since John Woo had the rights, to get. Master of the Universe going before people don't want to see cartoon movies or um, toy-based movies anymore. Exactly. Plus, uh, that was another thing that was wrong with the movie. They kept, you know, focusing more on Earth. That's what I thought was a huge bummer. I wanted to see more of Eugenia. I wanted to see the jungles. I wanted to yeah. see the bee people, well, it's just the bird people. At the time, the special effects didn't, you know, didn't come through. It's really, really hard and very, very expensive to create that kind of world. But, you know, we just discussed Flash Gordon, and they had a different world. It was... The funny thing is, Flash Gordon's like a road trip movie, you know, and each planet, they give you a full visual of what it was like on that planet. Master of the Universe could have done that, but uh, I they don't know. Did. Did they, did, maybe they thought it wasn't accessible to general audiences if you have that alien world. I don't know. Yeah, I know. Plus, like I said, they kept taking away the budget. Yeah. Bastages. Anyway. I know, but like I said, like I mean, Frank Langella was a huge thing, and plus, I think that was one of Courtney Cox's, like, big breaks. With, with that movie, but at the same time not because it became a cult favorite and right. wasn't very well. well I mean, I it should, made its money back, but it true. wasn't, you know, what people were expecting. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things they talked about was doing a sequel called The Cyborg. Master Universe 2, yeah. Cyborg, it was going to be a $5 million budget. Dolph Lundgren was not coming back. They were going to replace him. And uh, they had the sets built, and then Marvel, or Mattel, said the license was going to be like $5 million alone. And they're like, we can't, we can't pay a, a, that huge of a, a license fee. That's just insane. Wow, yeah, no. Yeah, the, the thing is, they were working on a sequel, and I think there was also a scene that they were going to write in where, you know, in the archives of Grayskull, they, it, you know, they found a U.S. satellite. So Eternia and Earth were going to be connected somehow, but they just scrapped all that because, no, they were entirely different planets. Yeah, and uh, so... Uh, the thing is that Canon Pictures on its last legs, they had the sets from Mass Universe built. They also had some sets for Spider-Man they were building, and then Marvel pulled the rights or they lost the rights because they couldn't afford them anymore. I, I really don't know what happened with that one. They, right. just they flat out couldn't afford it. And uh, so they're like, well, we have these sets here. What the hell are we going to do with them? Should we just scrap them? And then Albert Pion, uh, he came in and said, you know what, guys? I can make a movie with these sets. Just... You know, give me what you got. And like, well, we have half a million dollars. Go make whatever you want to make. And uh, he's like, can I have Chuck Norris? And like, uh, Chuck Norris, we can't get for that kind of price. He's like $500,000 alone. So they hired Van Damme. But they Damme. did get. They got Van Damme yep. for like $50,000, and you have your movie Cyborg. Indeed. And, of course, it didn't seem like it had anything to do with Masters of the Universe. No. At all. Well, I mean, they couldn't really do it because it had the 
license be with it, but they had the set pieces, and Al Keelan was clever enough to figure out what to do. It's like that's like the way Roger Corman used to do it. He would just find bits and pieces and make a movie out of it. Doesn't mean it's gonna be a good movie because Cyborg kind of sucks. I know it had two sequels, but it sucked. And uh, but it gave Van Damme more of a career than he had before, so I appreciate that. Yep. Without Cyborg, without Master Universe, we wouldn't have Universal Soldier. Pretty much, yeah. And also, like I said, I always liked Dolph Lundgren. I have no problem with the guy. I mean, I've liked it. I mean, like I said, Masters of the Universe was the first thing I saw him in. And then Universal Soldier. And then, of course, going back and realizing he was in Rocky. And Rocky Four was the one I had so much love for as a kid. Yeah. And then... You know what we could do is uh, we should take two of these action heroes from this time period, you know, that never got any respect. And let's find, like, a couple really cool movies and talk about them on here on Trash Cinema. Because the focus of Trash Cinema isn't just about making fun of movies. It's about talking about movies that bombed or were savaged by the critics. Or movies that nobody really knows about and championing them. Even though most people look at them and like, yeah, that's, that's garbage. Why would I want to watch that? Yeah. Although I will say this about Van Damme and uh, Dolph Lundgren. They st- they're still in great shape. Yeah, they're I mean, better shape than most people half their age. Oh, definitely. And I, I think, well, with uh, and Dolph Lundgren, he, like, he's naturally built like that. He's Swedish. <laughs> Lucky. Yeah, I know. And also, yeah, Dolph Lundgren. He also played. Yeah, he was also in Punisher with Louis Gossett Jr. Yep, that went even worse for him. <laughs> that didn't help at all. Um, you know, that's that's another one we could discuss the three Punisher movies because they're all maligned by critics and cri- uh, fans kind of fall with either they love one or they love you know the two of them. Or they hate one of the. You know, it's kind of a it's kind of a weird mixed bag. I think Thomas James was the best one. He will always be my Punisher, and he should come back as Punisher. Like Hands down. Bring him back in the Daredevil series, man. Bring him uh, in a couple episodes, like him versus Daredevil. Oh, my he, gosh. He yes, he fit perfect. So why can't Punisher take on Daredevil? I know. It's like, plus, they both go after the Kingpin. They both have mutual enemies. He's, yeah. he's just... Oh, he, uh, no, that would be great to see. Punisher does need to come back. I mean, look, I mean, you might, did you ever watch the short film Dirty Laundry? Yeah, yeah, I did. Thomas oh, James my James. gosh. But if you can't get Thomas Jane, I have no problem with bringing in an older Dolph Lundgren as uh, the Punisher. Oh, no, that would be perfect. <laughs> he Honestly, Dolph Lundgren, I thought he did great. He definitely personified Frank Castle. All right, everybody. That's the longest episode we ever had for Trash Cinema. I'm actually impressed, but uh, we had a lot to talk about. Uh, mostly it's because we've seen these movies so many times and there's so much love for them, and I think they are horribly maligned by the critics. Um, the acting is questionable in Master Universe, but the special effects, the set pieces, the love that was put into it, uh, I totally give it uh, a recommendation. Oh, I highly do, too. I mean, me personally, also, I think the look for Man-at-Arms was definitely spot on. I like John Cipher. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's cool to give on, him, like, uh, two... uh, Hill Street Blues is the first thing I ever saw him on. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, he's still he's still kicking. Who's, I who's keep forgetting that. Who, who played uh, Tila? I keep forgetting. But uh, I but can't remember her name. Sound... That's uh, Scott Bakula's wife. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. I keep forgetting. Hold on. I'm going to look it up Chelsea right Field? now. Is it Chelsea Fields? Chelsea Fields. Okay. All right, everybody, you know, so that's, that's it so... for us here at Trash Cinema. We are up on Retro Rock Entertainment. We're going to try to build a Trash Cinema page exclusively devoted to, you know, these uh, episodes. Because you guys, man, some of the love we get for some of these movies is amazing. And some we think are going to be like, oh, they're going to talk about it. Nope, nobody talks about it at all. <laughs> um, yeah, check us out at Retro Rock Entertainment for the time being. And I think we should end this with the theme song from uh, Master of the Universe movie. What do you think? 
Oh, I'd love to. Oh, Bill Conti did that. Yeah, he also, he's yeah, Bill so Conti good. also guys did. He also did the one for uh, Rocky. Yeah. So here we go. Theme song. Everybody have a good night. Good journey. I screwed up the credits. Sorry, everybody. ages, the sorceress of Grayskull has kept this universe in harmony. But the armies of darkness do not rest, and the capture of Grayskull is ever most in their minds. For to those that control Grayskull will come the power. The power to be supreme. The power to be almighty. The power to be masters of the universe. afternoon. Global's got fantastic exploits of courage with He-Man. Look up there! It's He-Man! He-Man, brave defender of Grayskull against Skeletor and his sinister legion of intergalactic fiends. I have a plan to stop him for good! Fantastic adventures with He-Man and the masters of the universe. Global's got it this afternoon at 4 o'clock. Welcome, everybody, to Back in Tunes. Uh, I'm Michael, a.k.a. Skeletor. And I'm Chris, and I don't know who I want to be yet. Oh, choices. There's so many great choices. There's too many in this show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we apologize for that really long intro. We had no idea that it was that insanely long. I mean, I've seen this show a lot. This is the unbridged. Yeah, I was like, wow, we're, we're, we're way past a minute here, and it's still going. That's a lot of story to get in. in the theme. It's also a lot different, too, when um, you're watching it visually. A minute doesn't feel nearly as long, but when you listen to it, it takes so much, much longer. <laughs> and you're looking at the time going, oh, okay. All right, wrap it up. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Hurry. We got a show to do. All right.
So, I mean, I obviously grew up with He-Man. I watched it when it aired on television. Um, was it still on the air when you were a kid? Uh, for what I remember, I believe that I got to see a few of the episodes on TV. I think, do you know what year it came out? Uh, I believe it was 82. 82. 82 or 83. See, I wasn't, I wasn't born until 83, so um, how long was the run for? Uh, I believe four or, four or five seasons. It was a pretty good run. A lot of those 80s cartoons, it only lasted two or three seasons, but He-Man lasted quite a while. I remember having a lot of the toys, and I know I'd seen a lot of the cartoons, but I don't know if it was just the uh, the repeats on TV or if I owned videotapes. But Yeah, and I believe that <clears throat> first run with the cartoon, there weren't that many figures. It was kind of like, let's test to see if this will take off. I do remember the books. There were books with insane paintings on them. They were so unbelievable. They looked like the cover like Conan books. Yeah, back when art was actually well done and oh yeah, and they had to catch your attention with that. Yeah, yeah, I think I I missed the first run. I think it was on the second run was I got my first figure. It was Battle Damage Mm -hmm. He Man. You like hit his chest and it would flip and it would like look all cracked and you could flip it back. I remember having that. I think Skeldor too. So you could do like. There, I think there was three of them. There was the undamaged, there was one slice, and then the other slice. Yeah, like I think I believe I had Skeletor, too. I had those. Those are first two figures. And then almost immediately after that, I just took off with that. Um, like, I remember just, like, it, it got sort of weird towards the end. Like, they started introducing, like, the Snake Man. Like, like you could push down their heads and it would spray. Spray sparks, yeah. And then they introduced She-Ra, which, honestly, I actually like She-Ra. I would she watch that with good. my little sister all the time, and she had the figures. And I mean, yes, it's geared more towards girls, but it's still a pretty interesting show. And Hordak was a great villain. Oh, yeah. But that's right. like where it seemed like the focus started coming off of He-Man more towards She-Ra. And then by the end, you know, both shows were canceled. Um, and then the movie came out. <laughs> the movie came out <laughs> a little too late. You know, yeah, by then it was probably done. What was um, the one character's name? I swear he was like a cat. He was really part cat. Not, not his little... You mean Cringer? The one that he would write, it would Cringer when it was in, like, you know, when Prince Adam. It would be Prince Adam and Cringer, but then He-Man would change, and then it would become uh, Battle Cat. Battle Cat. Was it Battle Cat? Maybe it was Battle Cat. Yeah, I don't remember the name of Skeletor's, uh, like, he had, like, a panther. It was, like, a purple panther. That's right. I forgot. And it never changed. It was always the same thing. But, um, yeah, I never really, I don't remember having a whole lot of villains, um, until right around the time when they started introducing like the spray ones, because as a kid, that's insane. They had one that was like a moss man who stunk so <laughs> bad, so insanely bad. Not one hundred percent certain it was a He Man or a She Lime. Holy crap, that thing smelled horrible. <laughs> that was the gimmick. It smelled bad like a swamp. Oh yeah, that's just wow. God, I love toys from the eighties. <laughs> yeah, and it's just the things that they would do back then. It's just crazy, just to get your attention. Uh, I remember one mechanic. Like his head would project out, like go, would go up. Oh, I think I had that one too. I don't remember those being part of He Man though. I oh. just remember spitting sparks, and I remember the the stretchy neck. There was one where like he had guns on his shoulders, like you flipped him over his whole <laughs> head, and they're like shoot. I feel terrible. I can't remember his names. I'll look them up as we're uh, watching the cartoon. I but- remember having the tank thing it was something that kind of looked like one of the big cats that had the big fist in front that would pound as it drove that must have been towards the end because i think that was as i was getting out of masters of the year it's funny what you think you were you think you were collecting for a really really long time turns out it was only like two years in your mind you're like oh my god i only had like two lines of this same thing with gi joe i thought i was in that forever but i was only like collecting like three lines maybe four maybe four i shouldn't say lines because it sounds like i was doing cocaine while playing toys (laughs) but all right, so um, what we do here at Back in Tunes, um, we basically just grab the first episode of a series. We kind of do commentary along, and all these episodes, mind you, are available online, usually through YouTube or VO, maybe Hulu. So completely free, so we're not suggesting you go out and buy this. We're not, like, sponsored by the company. Um, 
we just like to have fun talking about this going down memory lane yeah. and uh and this is a pg show we're gonna do the best we can not to say any swear words so, so if you want to share with the kids that's yeah the one. we made a conscientious choice like our other podcast yeah they're a little they're a little risque <laughs> but here that's we're doing after the best hours. we can yeah um it's like our this is like our daily like uh cartoon network where the rest is like our adult swim so <laughs> all right so basically what we do is just go ahead and find the episode online um, we're going to start at the same point and just discuss it as the episode goes along. We are starting with the very first episode of the original Masters of the Universe, not the 2002 version. Great show, but we're not going the all the way back. All the way back. And I believe that, did you say this is a pilot? Yeah, it's okay. the very first episode. We found it on VO.com. Um, I think it's cut up on some other websites. This is the whole shebang all at once. Um, so if you're ready, we're ready. You ready, Chris? I think I'm ready. Have you picked a character yet? All right. By the end of this episode, I'm forcing you to pick a character. I'll have a character by the end. All right. (laughs) Okay, so we're starting the episode now. Of course, this is brought to you by Filmation. Lou Scheimer, the head of Filmation, just passed. So we want to dedicate this episode to everything that he did. We do know that some people in the cartoon industry didn't really respect what he did, but I will respect this. While his animation wasn't exactly top-notch, it was still pretty good. He did it all right here in America. He did not send it overseas. One of the few that probably wasn't sourced out. Yeah, a lot of people were pressuring him to hit the studio. It would save them money, but he wanted to keep it in-house. He wanted to keep it in America. And the look is different. It is very different, and that is something that's nice, is that it actually stands out from the rest. Yeah, and then It's I, kind of odd to see many cartoons from this era. If you look, they're all kind of similar because they're all outsourced from you know the same kind of companies, usually in Japan, to animate them, to bring them back over here. Yeah, um, and I know that he tried to do films for a while, but eventually, you know, outside of He-Man, there wasn't really a whole lot of success from this company, and it did go down in the 90s. Yeah. It seems like a lot of them, well, maybe that's not true. It's a lot of old cartoons, though, seem to have just had their short stints, and that's the end of it. Okay, so the first episode is called Evil Seed. Just make sure we're all in the same episode. Yeah. <laughs> Let me think up with the correct one. None of this is making any sense. I don't get it. They always seem to have different production orders and run orders anyway. So. Yeah. Um, so the funny thing about this show is the fact that it's one of the very first shows that was ever syndicated. Um, give us just a second here. Okay. I'm kind of spaz. I screwed something up, but we're good. We're good. Never mind. I'm going <laughs> to shut two. up. Take two. <laughs> you heard nothing. Look away. Or listen away, listen away. Listen away, plug the ears. Okay, so the nice thing, uh, we, you know, the, if Wikipedia didn't exist, it'd be so hard to find information about these cartoons because your memory can only hold yeah, so much. You know, and you forget things, you switch characters, sometimes you switch shows. <laughs> and, um, well, you know, I forgot that uh, in the early 80s, um, the FCC decided that it was okay for there to be commercials basically advertising, you know, what, you know like you could have a cartoon advertising a toy. Oh, so it was a one, He-Man. If, if it's not the first, it's one of the very first shows where you would create the toy, have a cartoon to promote it, and then have like a comic book, have other ways of marketing it, and you know that just that was like a thing in the eighties. It kind of did in the early nineties, but that was really a huge thing in the eighties. Kind of funny too because I enjoyed all the toys I had from the eighties, but now I feel like a giant tool. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the like the nineties cartoons that seem to be based on previously existing properties, but in the eighties, like out of nowhere, you're just like, oh, let's just have flying bugs and guys that ride them. We'll, we'll call it sectars. We'll have giant beasts that come out of the ground and guys who fight them and humanoids. And all you got to do is just make a cartoon and take and, over the world. Yeah, and there always seem to be a comic book. 
there, there was a line, Marvel, when they celebrated their 25th anniversary of like the new age, um, they launched a line called Star Comics. They had Now Comics, which is like newer superheroes, which failed horribly. Um, and then Star Comics was almost all like based on previously existing like toys or cartoons. And the He-Man comic line lasted for a little while. I know, yeah, I know DC Comics attempted a series before that, but it didn't go very well. But then Marvel did pretty well with their Star line. And Star this line. is one of their pinnacles right here. It was a really good series. Which is I weird. Remember, um, I guess it was more 90s. I had a fascination with alien toys when aliens came out so probably late 80s early 90s and um they actually each character came with their own mini comic that we're talking james cameron's aliens right yes correct. yeah i had a few of those toys yeah it was like a bull alien and like i think i think got to the point where it was like giraffe alien i was like that's just they got got pretty ridiculous but the core ones are really awesome so but yeah they had their own little mini comic line that went with it as well i mean it's funny that we're watching the first episode and we're not going to see a lot of the characters that were like at least not when i collected I mean, there's a, there's a standard. These are the, okay, the like. Well, I gotta say real quick, He-Man was posing pretty sexy there for a second. Yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of like the ironic history of He-Man is that a lot of people think that it was like purposely homoerotic. <laughs> there's a lot of things that he does that are kind of awkward. <laughs> it's like I'm pretty sure it was unintentional. I'm sure there's nobody going. I'm designing a character that make everybody uncomfortable later. If we could go back in time and ask them, I would. <laughs> I'd have to know. Of course, there was that whole. Uh, what song was it? With this, with the He-Man, have you seen that? Uh, hold, hold that thought. I'll, Is it I'll a YouTube thing? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I must have missed this. Uh, well, I'll bring it up. Okay. Also, um, He-Man: The Master of the Universe was the first cartoon to be syndicated. It was not on your normal Saturday morning. It would be like in the middle of the day, like during the week. You know, just be Monday through Friday. And that's why, even though it wasn't on for a whole lot. You know, it was like I think only on for three seasons. They had to do a ton of episodes, yeah. like fifty-two episodes or even more. It was Back crazy. When they could actually, do like an episode a week. Yeah, so it makes me wonder if they started production like way ahead of time. Because you said we were saying earlier that the toys were introduced like in eighty-one, eighty-two. Yes, the toys but then came the, out in eighty-one. But then the cartoon didn't debut till like a year later. So it's a good thing that the toys were successful. Uh-huh. Or they just spent a year just making a cartoon that no one's going to care about. Probably did the, the toys, and then as they started getting popular, they. I would assume they would start animating the show, and then by 83, they probably just started tearing them out every week. Yeah, it's just kind of a bummer that the show only lasted a, uh, you know, a few seasons because then they moved quickly. Uh, for some reason, I thought He-Man and she were going at the same time. But no, almost immediately, they no. stopped He-Man. They went straight into She-Ra. She-Ra picked up somewhere in here. There was a movie right in the middle called Secret of the Sword. I, I believe that was in theaters. If not, it was like pretty high-end for TV I remember watching it as a kid, and it was broken up over episodes instead of a full movie. Okay. And after that, it was just She-Ra. Yeah, it says He-Man ran for two full seasons between 83 and 85, and then there were several spinoff shows. Um, so He-Man, what was it? Sorry. The New Adventures of He-Man in 90, 1990, and Masters of the Universe in 2002. And then, of course, She-Ra was in there in... Now, I remember 85, so yeah, I picked up right after. Yeah, I remember the uh, New Adventures of He-Man came out, and it was long after anybody cared. Yeah, you're at that talking, point it wasn't the same. There was like two or three years after the movie had come out and bombed. Even though, looking back, I still enjoy the movie. I do too. It's not the same as a cartoon, but it, it's different. It the fun. budget, you couldn't do it that way back then. You couldn't do the way like it is now, where it's almost exactly the same. 
you know, I had to make modifications just to fit the budget. It was from a small company, Canon Pictures. Yeah, you know, they just did what they could. They're trying to capitalize on a toy line and a kid show. Like at the end of the day, there's not much to do with it. Right. And they waited way <sighs> too long. To... I remember being terrified watching that movie. Beast. Oh my god. He scared me in the scene where he slashes that dude's face. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I cried. Totally. I just started screaming. Now, I did you see it at home, or did you see it in the theater? I saw it at home. Yeah, I saw it in the theater, and I remember like right at that scene, or whatever. Like, don't go in there. Don't please, don't go there. And uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now I'm just like, eh, whatever. We're a little more. Uh, ah, but who knew Courtney Cox? Courtney Cox would be so she huge. Was in that? Yeah, Courtney Cox is the main female. I don't remember that. And then Dolph Lundgren like all waxy, uh-huh. all sweaty. Yeah. And this is before he like found his, his sense of humor and his bizarre like characters that he would pick. He was so bland, they so just, they boring. Just a muscle head. Yeah. Not, not that he man's very uh, broad in character. I think. He seems kind of dry to me. Yeah, and of course they couldn't do Adam. They, they just had to keep all his He-Man. Keep um, He-Man. The one funny thing is, um, some people may know this, some people not. Um, at the end of the Masters of the Universe movie, at the very end, this is before movies start doing all the stingers at the end on a regular basis. Mm. At the end, Skeletor's alive. He reaches out and puts his hand through whatever, and you see he's still going. You're like, holy crap. That's like one of the first times I ever saw that. I think the only time I saw it before that was a Ferris Bueller. Like there was an oh, ending that kept going. It kept going, yeah. They actually had a script for Master of the Universe 2. It was going to be called The Cyborg. And they, Canon Pictures was in serious financial trouble. Instead of making like $20 million movies, they got to the point where they, at best they could do a $5 million movie at best. Ooh. So they decided to bail. They couldn't do the movie. They used the script or whatever and modified it into the movie Cyborg. Okay, so it just became its own. Yeah, so the movie with Van Damme, it became Cyborg. Instead of being done for five, it was done for like, I think it was done for like half a million dollars because not only did they ditch Masters of the Universe 2, they also ditched Spider-Man. They had already built the sets. They had hired, they were hiring people to, you know, go on it. I think Bob Hoskins was hired as Dr. Octopus. So they used that set for Cyborg. So Cyborg (laughs) is a mutation of two different movies. It'd be interesting to go back and rewatch that, knowing that now, and to see if you can kind of pick out the details that would have made one over the other. <laughs> you can see, like, the ghost of a tournier there, <laughs> something, a castle of gray skull. Like, that doesn't look like it fits. Spider webs. Spider webs lying around. <laughs> Daily Bugle. All right, so random interesting fact. So um, any episodes that featured Skeletor throughout the season were never aired in France because they believed it was going to be too frightening. Why France? I don't know. Anywhere <laughs> else in the world, but maybe we want more Jerry Lewis. Die. My children need wine. Wasn't Skeletor in most of the episodes, though? I would... Yeah, I don't know. So in other <laughs> they words, aired an episode without him. Yeah. Did they edit it out, or did they like animate a face maybe over just it? Like a black face. It's just like a phantom or something. Like that guy right like there. The guy. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we're watching the French version right now. I remember some of the characters. I remember like early on. Like I said, I think I, I grabbed on for like the second run, but I remember there was Ram Man. Um, I didn't have him, but I had many faces. Do you remember him? No. He's one of the bad guys, and you could switch his face. He had three different faces, and you could change oh. it. What kind of stupid power is that? What use is that, having three different faces? I don't know. He was just the first emote happy sad. I know. <laughs> uh, trap Jaw. Do you remember Trap Jaw? From... He was awesome. His jaw would open up or whatever, oh, and he had like yeah. a little he claw on his hand. I think yeah, he could actually change out cool. his hand. I remember him. Buzz Off was like the giant bee guy, which I thought was a good guy for years. It's a little segue thinking about the guy with the rotating heads and multiple faces. Um, from Transformers, the cartoon, they had the one Autobot slash Decepticon. He was the blue car. I can't remember his name, but he could transform to either one. 
and he acted as a spy and went back and forth. Oh yeah, I totally remember that. We should we should do a Transformers episode. He was one of my favorites. I had that toy. He was one of my favorite characters. You can never really tell if he was actually truly a good guy or a bad guy, or if it was like a split personality. He was yeah. like both at the same time. Very, um, very enjoyable character. So most people, when they were kids, they usually had two or three lines that they were hardcore collectors of. And then some, they kind of had a few up, but for the most part, that's what they stuck, that's what to. They stuck to. Mine was He-Man yeah. and G.I. Joe. I could not afford Transformers. They were so insanely oh, expensive. expensive. Plus, I had quite a few, but... clumsy kid, I could break that. So my parents weren't too keen on getting I had a lot of GoBots, though. Because <laughs> uh, they were the cheap knockoff. Yeah, the weird part is the GoBots, I would like... Um, I would go to Wendy's and get like a little meal, and it would come with a little GoBot. They're like I the miss ch- those days when you go get a Happy Meal. And yeah, you got a really do, they, do they still do that? They still no. do toys? Oh, well, they probably do. Probably do like a, here's little Apple Bites. You know, yeah, here's that you don't get a toy. Crappy thing now. That is for a movie that no one cares about. Here, here's your White House Down figures. Like, why, <laughs> why do I have a Channing Tatum and Jamie Fox in my meal? <laughs> is this from Magic Mike? No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> when the character gets warm, his shirt disappears. Like he's stripping. <laughs> Look, kids, grow up and be what you want to be. Yeah. Live your dream, kids. <laughs> you can do anything. Uh, a man at arms. Uh, I remember him. He was he was he was pretty close to the character in the movie too. Yeah, I remember him being really. The accurate. suit's goofy. If you had done that suit in the real world, it would look kind of stupid. Terrible. Yeah. Only in the eighties could you get away with such a thing. Um, I do remember. You know, you know what her costume reminds me of? What? I, I want to say was it called Skyhawks? Remember that cartoon? You mean Silverhawks? Silverhawks. That's the one where they had like the weird suits. That it's were... like Thundercats, but in space. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great yeah. one too. That was a good one. I watched that a lot. Here's our jaw. Dear jaw. Yeah. Locked there jaw. he goes. I love how he just change out of the weapons in his arm. That was always really cool. I think it's funny I that... I think I remember having the ones too, the toys. Um, so you talked earlier about the battle chest ones. So the ones with the rotational chest to show battle damage. Right. But I remember the original guys... Their torsos would twist, but they just had like rubber bands on the inside. Oh, they like, always like they were swinging their sword, but they'd always break. And yeah, like severed. Yeah, they're probably one of the most fragile. I remember those being yeah. so fragile, even more so than Transformers. Transformers, you could like throw against a wall. Like, you had to try to break those. I mean, a lot of them were steel. So, what was the name of? Okay, so was it Fakor? It was the He-Man that was kind of blue. He was like an imitation version, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, what's wrong with you, He-Man? Were they stupid?" How can you not think, oh, yeah, he's blue. Either he's lacking oxygen severely or he's a fake. I'm pretty sure it's Fakor. Fakor. With a name like Fakor. I mean, I know mostly. I'm looking up at all the characters from the first run. I remember one that I wanted so bad was Stratos. He had, like, wings. He could fly. He was, like, red and blue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great. Great design. That was a really good design. And it's not just the fact that... The cartoon was pretty cool. It was a fact that whoever designed these did a really great job. There's a lot of shitty toys during the 80s, and there's a reason why they failed. Oh, these, these, I mean, these are awesome. Those are really good. They actually had quite a few toys for this line, if I remember correctly. I feel like there was a lot. Yeah, if you look it I up, mean, I can't believe I mean, just in the first history. run. I, didn't, I don't remember Zodak at all. The name sounds familiar, but I don't remember the character. He was a neutral... Oh, wait, no. No, 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 yeah. I'd have to get a picture of him to show you, but he was a neutral character. He wasn't a good or evil it's kind of like the Watcher in the Marvel Universe, just kind oh, of, just kind of, yeah, observing. Let's people play out their own. Now, after you've seen the movie, would you rather if they done Orko, or were you okay with Gildor? Do you remember Gildor? He was like the little guy that created the musical instrument that could travel through dimensions. Mm, Billy Barty played him. He's like an oh, elf. Oh, yeah. 
I really don't understand how they couldn't have done Orco. Just get some wires. Just get some damn wires. It's probably budget constraints. I think at that rate, they're just doing whatever's easiest. We can't afford wire. What are you talking about? <laughs> we make movies. What beast do you think he took that skeleton from? <laughs> I mean, it is a mythical universe. So I guess it could have been something, but I can't imagine. He would have had to restructure those bones because there's just no way. Like, uh, it's funny to actually think about the physics involved in some of the stuff you see in cartoons. You're like, wait. <laughs> and I think it's funny that Skeletor, I think the only way they could possibly get a character that looks like Skeletor on a Saturday morning cartoon or whatever, you know, a uh, children's cartoon, mm. is to give him that absurd voice. Yeah, that really nasally whining. Hey, demon! Yeah. You stuck on my toes! <laughs> he's like totally slapstick. Like, for an evildoer, he's just like. He's pretty intense in the movie, though. Yeah, he Frank was. Langella, I mean, he just. That's the best part of that whole movie, is Frank Langella's Skeletor. He just chews that scenery, he eats it up, and he makes him terrifying. Yeah, he actually made a scary bad guy. I came very close to swearing there. <laughs> <laughs> Plug your ears, kids. Plug your ears. Oh yeah, Evil Lynn. Evil Lynn was a great character too. I don't think yeah, I don't think she's in the first season. Okay, oh. yes, yeah, so the guy with the three wait no, not three faces. That was Manny Faces. Triclops. He had three different eyes. Triclops. Oh he had like the little band around his head. He had ah, like Ah, that's right. I remember having a lot of these. I have these like vague memories of what they look like. Yeah, they should just have a picture next to all of them. Screech was that that bird, the annoying bird that would always come in. Okay, it was Battle Armor He-Man, the one that you could uh, like hit the chest. Hit the chest. So there must have been a Battle Armor. Okay, they did not think about this at all. Fisto? Fisto? <laughs> okay, kids, if you're listening to this, don't ask your parents if this is. Just ignore. <laughs> Clawful? I think he had like a lobster hand. Yeah, That's I not right. that. It was just like a big clunky claw. Oh, yeah, and the evil master, evil snake masters. They had Cobra Khan, Webster, not to be confused with Webster, the cute <laughs> little Emmanuel Lewis. I feel like some of these poor characters are uh, like rejects. <laughs> they all had to band together to come to He-Man to have a job. I'm sure you just caught that sneeze. <laughs> I can't seem to keep myself from doing something on the air. <laughs> We're doing it live. We were. I'm sorry. Hey, I'm too busy, too lazy, and honestly, I think we kind of like the raw feel. It's like <laughs> some of these productions are so paused. Eh, screw it. Why not? Just be real. Enjoy this ride. Now you get to listen to this the whole time. Uh, my He-Man character Everybody's is Sniffor, Nasal Lore. Stinkor. Stinkor. There's Wait. already Moss, moss Man reeked. What does Stinkor smell like? Oh my, that was terrible. Did he actually stink? Oh, I can't imagine that. Or he just looked like a skunk. I gotta look at pictures for these guys. I have to know what they look yeah, like. Yeah, no they kidding. sounds so ridiculous. Mantenna. It's like a <laughs> sci-fi movie gone wrong. I've got a man. Starring Eric Roberts. Tonight on Sci-Fi. <laughs> Night Stalker? Like the no. L.A. Night Stalker, that was a poorly chosen name for a character. I, I think I remember that name too. Okay, now oh. we actually are getting into the Sci-Fi Channel. I mean, Basilosaurus, Land Shark. Are these all from the original run? Or no, like... this is like the last. Oh, this is like okay. when they're running out of ideas. All right, again, desperate. And, and the toy line stayed on long after the cartoon. That's kind of strange. Don't you think they would kind of quit? You would think so, but. Yeah, I don't really remember much from the fifth run. I mean, these are all characters I don't really remember. Um, 
But the the 1986 run, uh, I do remember a lot of these characters. Extendar, you could, like take his legs and his arms and pull them out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Rio Blast was that one that could pop the guns over his head and shoot. Uh, Snout Spout, he looked like an elephant. He could shoot water out of his nose. Oh, uh, there's you. Yeah, you're talking about Buzz Off earlier. Now that I've seen a picture of him, very very familiar. King Hiss. Oh, he was the snake. Yeah, that's the oh, one. I thought there was a different one. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember him. He was one of my favorites. Wow, this really did go on for a while. This, I mean, we're in 1987 now, and we're uh, still doing the toys. Oh my god, Clawful. I didn't know that they made a line of the uh, the movie. Um, there's apparently one called Demo Man. <laughs> Demolition Man. What did it look like, Stallone? He looks like one ugly bug. He kind of looks like a wolf man with a lazy eye. <laughs> Crocobite, dinosaur. Yeah, seriously. These are all shitty. Uh, yeah. whoop, I mean, stinky. <laughs> Poop. <laughs> stinky movies that would be like on Netflix. They're like, ugh, I guess I'll watch that. <laughs> Wave 7 is just two figures. The yeah. final line, 1988, wow. is Laser Power He-Man and Laser Light Skeletor. Because <laughs> lasers was cool. Fearless Photog. Oh, there's Fisto. What do he look like? Do he have a giant fist or was it more awkward than that? Yeah, he looks like a big muscle head. He's got a big metal hand. Weird. We haven't really talked about this cartoon at all. <laughs> it's always more fun doing this instead. <laughs> there's just so many. So many. It's funny, when they came back out in 1989, you think that they would have just like redone the old figures like in a different way. No, they came out with, except for Skeletor and He-Man, they came out with a whole new line of characters. Names, absolutely terrible. Oh, there's King Hiss. They were called, I kid you not, Galactic Guardians and Goon Squad. Because apparently the Goon Squad was part of the mob of Grayskull. I can't believe how many characters are in this. this is I know. Ridiculous. I mean, look, I have to say, I can't believe this, the second run went for so long. I mean, these are insanely bad <laughs> names. Butthead. There's a character named Butthead. Part of the Space Mutants line. There's Moss Man. By the way, if you don't know what we're talking about, it's probably useful if you grab a phone and start looking at these characters. Uh, we recommend this. There are so many goofy characters. You should see these to believe these. These are pretty ridiculous. I was kind of hoping Moss Man would be more like Swamp Thing. Oh, but he's Swamp Thing toys? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to do that episode sometime. I promise somebody else we, that we, we have save it for them. Thing. Yes. Oh, they were so good. Thankfully, they never made a cartoon of man thing because then everybody would be depressed. And like, <laughs> okay, we just went through the first episode. I know we didn't talk about the cartoon very much, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. We had fun. That was fun that going was, through the yeah. characters. There was a whole lot of stuff to talk about, just characters wise. Yeah, I mean, it's the one cast of, is ridiculous. Really rich. If they actually did a movie, I know they've attempted to do a movie a few times. Like the, uh, John Woo had the rights for a while, and somebody else, like John right after Woo. Transformers hit, yeah, John Woo was going to produce a. A movie of it, and he just kept, you know, like just every scene would have had doves in it. You know, doves and two uh, swords going at the same time. And oh, Nicholas Cage, oh my God, Nicholas Cage is Skeletor. <laughs> oh, why isn't Jacob here to do that okay. voice? That would have been perfect. Put down the money. That's that's the only thing I can do in Nicholas Cage's voice. I can't do anything else. <laughs> and for some reason, we're not we're not airing the episode twice. Sorry. Count that as the outro, folks. <laughs> I don't know thing. We don't want to sit through it again. I mean, uh, at some other point. But I think I'd like to start the show again, like later in the series. Yeah. 
I like I like the shows when they had richer characters, you know, more storyline going instead of just like, oh, here's the intro. We got to sit through all this. Maybe we can jump through a couple that have like really key moments in the series or like good characters. You said key moments, right? Not chemo moments. Yeah, I, key okay, moments. yeah, I was like, that's a bad idea. Yeah, we're not really going to talk about She-Ra. I really don't remember much about yeah, it. I mean, She-Ra was just done to capitalize on the, the girl market. And the only thing I saw about it was that it was rumored that she was like He-Man's twin sister. Yeah, from an alternate universe until when they were babies. I guess they got separated. Yeah, yeah they had their own years. I thought Hordak was a pretty cool villain. He had some good idea, you know, good guys, but storylines weren't as good. And obviously it was geared towards women, which I have no problem with. I mean, what's wrong with having an action show for women? They really weren't any at that time. I think she was like the only one, which is surprised it was successful. Uh, groundbreaking because it, it took something. I mean, back then, too, girl toys were Barbie or dolls. And guys were bombs and G.I. Joes and guns. Yeah, I think other than that, they had like Barbie. That was it, and uh, a gem in the holograms. You know, that was just so insanely girly, but it was pretty cool. I mean, I would sit to it. I, I liked it. But there's something special about He Man. It just the animation. Yeah, it's not top notch, but it's kind of like it has its own style. Yeah. Well, when you're younger too, you care less about the animation. It's going back and looking at it now. It even doesn't look that bad. It reminds me of an '80s cartoon. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't strike me as terrible in any way. Well, I mean, I think Filmation was primarily known for doing like. They would like pick bizarre projects like Gilgan's World, you know, like Gilgan's Island, but on a different planet, or Gilgan's Planet, or like um, the Fonzie Hour, you know, a cartoon Fonzie with an uh-huh. alien, the Vernon Shirley, and just like stuff that was like based off shows. And they really didn't have a whole lot of hits, but He Man was definitely like their, like what they're known for. Yeah. That and the, the original Ghostbusters, which like you watch cable now, like there's always like little syndicated <laughs> channels and airs all the time. Brave Star. I know a lot of people like Brave Star. Oh, Brave Star was cool. Yeah, I don't really remember it. I think that was just as I was. Maybe you know what? I lived in Indiana. We really only had yeah. like one true independent station, and um, you know, I missed a lot of shows. I never got to see Robotech. I never got to see. Uh, Those um, didn't really get more popular, especially the um, um, more of the Japanese ones when they became when anime became kind of more mainstream. Like probably wasn't mainstream then, but um, what was the station that? As Adult Swim. Oh, you mean Cartoon Network? Cartoon. Oh, yeah, it was the Cartoon Network, though. But, yeah, like, they're the ones that got a lot of that stuff brought in. Like, they played Robotech all the time. Yeah, but, I mean, they played, did I mean, you grow up here in California? Yes. Have you always, um, always been here? Like, kind of a rural town? Rural. 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 Yeah. Um, I remember being small, starting here in Napa, for those of you who don't know. Um, but we seem to have quite a bit of stuff like i remember he-man i remember getting the toys i remember voltron yeah we didn't get voltron we didn't get anything that was like kind of surprised if it wasn't like really heavy on like american style anything that was like off the beaten path like that uh robotech um i'm surprised we got silverhawks and stuff like that we i I think we had brave star but it was like hidden away at some corner where i I just couldn't get up early enough or something like that yeah brave star was a hard one to uh to get a hold of yeah so if it wasn't based on a popular toy line we just didn't get it I mean, they would rather air episodes of Small Wonder, you know, <laughs> instead of, like, some fresh cartoons. Which, I mean, at the time, I didn't mind. But, obviously, now, it doesn't hold up. No. You can't go really... You can't go back and look at it. It's not the same. You know what? This episode uh, was fun enough that I think sometime we should revisit it. Maybe check out the second series or maybe the new, the rebooted series. That would be a good idea. I, I, uh, for me, this is a blast. I love talking about Master Universe. I'm sure that if we, I know if when I watch the new ones, it's probably going to be a nightmare but. really oh no I, I remember seeing the first episode I mean, it looked pretty good but yeah it's all it's heavy stylized it heavy? Okay. yeah 
I don't know. It's something about just like anything you grow up with it. You spend your whole time looking at it. Yeah. And that's the way it is, even if it's crap 80s animation, you know. All right. So I think that's it for us on this episode. Yeah. That was, um, that was a little, little different. Well, thank you for listening to Back in Tunes. Um, we'll try to have as many episodes as we can. I know that we put up one uh, a couple weeks ago. We kind of been holding back on them, seeing how people thought about it. But, you know, we're going we're gonna to attack these cartoons. It's fun to watch. They're a lot shorter, too. You can, get, you can rip through this and if pretty have, quickly. If you guys have any feedback or anything you want to request or would prefer to see or have a favorite, let us know. Um, advice is always welcome. You can visit us on our... Uh, we're yeah. on Twitter, at yeah, uh, Cult Status Podcast. Um, back in tunes, we'll try to build one if it gets successful enough. But for right now, we're under Cult Status Podcast. Um, Just send everything there. We're up on Facebook. Uh, you can check out our website. The, the main website is retrorocketentertainment.weebly.com. And uh, you can always download us on Libsyn. Um, and then, yeah, we're just streaming where we can. We're going to try to get up on Stitcher and iTunes. But for right now, just go to those sites. And we could use as much support as possible. Let us know how we're doing. And, yeah, like he said, if, we ha- if you have opinions or suggestions for a cartoon, we'd be glad. Even if it's something we've never seen before, we're more than open to check out. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, we might find a gem. Yeah, we haven't seen before. It's yeah. Sometimes it's fine to find those golden gems you missed when you were young. Yeah, and like I said, I missed a lot of stuff since the, the availability was so limited. Okay, so that's it for us for this episode. I found a cool little track to finish this up. I hope you like a little metal. New from the Masters of the Universe collection. Finally! Castle Grayskull is ours! No! Stop! Take that! We call upon Castle Grayskull Man! Oh, shit! What do you want? Looks like someone had an accident! Castle Grayskull Man, Hordak, and Decapitated Stratos, each sold separately, new from Mattel. Hey everybody, it's a special crossover episode between... Comics on Infinite Earths, and comics I read to you. Uh, so, 
By the way, that music was All Alone by Fun. And uh, so today, we're going to be reading comics, but they're very unusual comics that I think are going to bring back a lot of memories for any of you between about 30 and, what, 45 years old. Uh, they're the Masters of the Universe comic books. Not the ones on the newsstand, not the ones by Marvel or DC, but the little ones, the, the quarter size, about a quarter of the size of a, co a regular comic book that used to come with the action figures. Do you remember those? Yeah. Weren't those neat? It's like you're buying an action figure and you get a comic book too. I, th I think that was that was about half of their sales pitch probably, that you got this free along with it. Anyway, I happen to have a little stack of these that... I bought on e eBay a while back. I got them with most of the figures I bought in the 80s, but unfortunately, I think pretty much all of them are gone. I probably still have a few somewhere in a, in a box of action figures, but I have not seen them in a while. But I still was very nostalgic about these, so I, I bought a big lot of them on eBay. And... I don't, I'm sure this isn't all of them, but it's quite a few. It might be more than half of them. So, before I begin, I'm going to just run you through the different titles I have here. And uh, see if you remember any of them. The first one is Slave City. And this one was one that really stuck with me because on the cover, uh, He-Man is shackled and... Uh, Battle Cat is un is trapped under a net by some ghouls, and it looks like He-Man's about to get smashed in the face with a mace. So it kind of looked like uh, it was He-Man's last comic. And I have the Magic Stealer with Skeletor and He-Man fighting each other on the front of it. And I think that's the first one I ever had when I bought a uh, He-Man figure. I think it was the regular first... Uh, He-Man, actually, came with that comic book. Um, I have The Vengeance of Skeletor, and on the front, He-Man is battling some sort of weird uh, amalgamation creature, kind of like an octopus. And by the way, this, I think, was one of the first ones, because actually these comic books, you may or may not remember, went through two different formats. They, I believe they were initially like this one, where they were printed on a little bit heavier paper. They had kind of a cardstock cover. And on the inside, it was actually like an illustrated book. So you just had one illustration on each page, taking up about two-thirds of the page, and then uh, narration and dialogue underneath it. Uh, whereas the later ones are just straight up regular comic book style where the entire page is panels of uh, pictures and dialogue. So, anyway, uh, the next one is The Stench of Evil. Does anybody remember that one? That one was basically only sold to try to give you a reason or understanding of why uh, they made... Um, the two figures that, like, smelled badly. Uh, <laughs> there was one that was like a skunk, and there was the one that was kind of like a swamp thing. It was covered in moss, basically, stinky moss. It kind of got nastier and nastier the longer you owned it. It's like his moss degraded. 
and was like somehow slightly moist. It was very disgusting. Probably not something good to, to give to a small child, but uh, yeah, this comic kind of gives them a reason to live, I guess. And then uh, the Battle of Roboto, which came with Roboto, of course. Then there was the Clash of Arms, which has the uh, the guy who had a claw, uh, like a lobster claw on his arm, remember him? And then also the fellow with the big steel hand, who I can't remember the name of at the moment. Um, and on we have the Flying Fists of Power, which came with the version of He-Man who had like a action arm that would flip forward and... I think it threw a little three-pronged, like, bolo weapon. And then, the ordeal of Manny Faces. Do you remember Manny Faces? Really, all he did was he had a face that would turn and become three different things. Either a man, a monster, or a robot. Uh, total gimmick figure. Not, <laughs> But he was fun. And uh, the next one is the Masks of Power where it had He-Man and uh, the guy with the steel arm fighting to look like demons from hell, but probably it was something a little more innocuous. And uh, Hordak, the Ruthless Leader's Revenge. And this one came out, I believe, with Hordak and maybe some of his horde. And they were sort of uh, Masters of the Universe, sort of replacing Skeletor and trying to give you a different major villain to get all excited about. Uh, to sell more toys, of course. And the next one was The Secret Liquid of Life. And He-Man is battling... Mm, don't remember his name. Oh, Geldor, yes, okay. Uh, the samurai-looking dude who had an axe. Um, we still have more here. The next one is He-Man meets Ram-Man. Uh, Ram-Man, he was funny. You uh, pushed him down, like, uh, his body would, like, push into itself an inch or so, and then you had a button on the back of him that made him spring forward uh, that, that one inch, I guess. It's like the one-inch punch of Bruce Lee. <laughs> uh, then we have Dragon's Gift. And I remember that being a very early one, I think. And on the further, on the front, He-Man is again fighting just two totally unknown creatures that I don't think ever had figures. Um, let's see. We have He-Man and the Insect People, where uh, we have a nice cover by Alfredo Alcala. He did actually did the at least the covers, maybe the insides of a lot of these. And we have He-Man with the Bumblebee figure. And uh, I think I want to say his name is Stratos. The guy with the head that would pop up like two inches from his neck. Which, again, was just a total gimmick. Just a toy gimmick, you know? There was no real reason for that. I mean, when, when have you ever been in a fight and you thought, Oh, if my head was just two feet longer. <laughs> I think usually you actually want to keep your head out of the conflict and and uh, down and not getting hurt as much as possible if you're actually in a battle situation. 
Anyway, then we have uh, He-Man versus Skeletor in the Temple of Darkness. And here Skeletor is, has in his arms the, uh, the woman who kind of looked like a dove. She had feathers and uh, wings. And He-Man is trying to get her away from him. Then we have the treachery of Modulok. Uh, and we have Hordak and Modulok on the cover with He-Man. Modulok was the guy who was like a big... Uh, he was the He-Man equivalent of Mr. Potato Head. He had lots of little pieces, legs and arms and stuff that were interchangeable. And you could like make him be several different body configurations. Uh, then we have Battle in the Clouds, and they're on skiffs flying through the sky, and he's fighting uh, that guy who looked like a big, uh, what do you call it, frog, and then we have The Menace of Trapjaw, which I'm sure came with Trapjaw who, he had, like, a gun for an arm. I remember you could take that gun off of his arm, which was kind of weird. But, honestly, I think he was my favorite figure of all of the Masters of the Universe. And I have to say, this is making me want to go buy some Masters of the Universe figures right about now. Um, then the last two are The Power of Point Dread. And Skeletor is in his flying ship attacking Tila and Iron Man on that cover. And that was that was a very early one, too. And lastly, we have Rock People to the Rescue, which was basically just to help sell the Rock People, who were kind of like Gobots uh, masquerading as Masters of the Universe figures. They could turn into rocks and then turn into um, action figures. So... I feel like that was a little bit of cheating on Mas uh, Masters of the Universe's part, but I, I guess that's their uh, prerogative. Anyway, we are going to read a few of these comics. Isn't that exciting? And I think I've got the, uh, the three we should do here. And the first one we, we will read is Slave City with the, the very ominous cover. By the way, the on the cover of it, the man with the mace that's about to hit He-Man and the ghouls in the background are uh, a kind of a dark purple, and so is the sky in this uh, cover. And so it's a very dark cover overall, and it kind of gives you the feeling that things have changed. And Castle Grayskull is in the background, so it kind of gives you this feeling that things have changed. These uh, creatures have taken over the world that He-Man once lived in. Sort of an apocalyptic look. But, anyway. So, we open the comic. And on the inside it says the title, Slave City. And the narration says, Prince Adam and his companion, Cringer, enjoy an outing in the Evergreen Forest when... Uh, He-Man, or sorry, Prince Adam... See, he's the same guy. You all remember that, right? Prince Adam is He-Man. He just uh, changes between the two. But uh, he says, 
Cringer, look! Those kobolds have a captive. Quick, we must help her. And Cringer, of course, is also Battle Cat. <laughs> so Cringer is like the... It's funny. Both Prince Adam and Cringer are much more meek, like weakling, uh, scaredy cat, so to speak, uh, versions of their alter egos. It's kind of like they are Shaggy and uh, Scooby-Doo versus uh, He-Man and Battle Cat. Anyway, so Cringer says, Let's get out of here. It's none of our business. And uh, this this captive who looks like a Native American woman in in like a superhero's outfit because it's, it's basically a one piece swimsuit with mm, leggings. Uh, she yells, "Help! Someone help me!" And these big horrible purple creatures with demon faces and horns and uh, spikes all along their backs are saying. Yell, pretty one. No one to help you. We take to Targa. So apparently these monsters are also not big fans of uh, grammar. And Prince Adam raises his sword into the sky and says, By the power of Grayskull. Kazam! And he turns into He-Man and Battle Cat. And he says to these creatures, you're not taking anyone anywhere. And Battle Cat just says, Growl! <laughs> Phonetically, that's what it looks like. So, these creatures say, Fight! Fight! As if, I guess, otherwise they would just stand there and get hacked to pieces. Um, He-Man says, Battle Cat, get the girl. I'll fend off these creatures. And Battle Cat uh, plows into some of the bad guys and says, Snarl! Grrr! One of the bad guys says, Destroy! Kill! And He-Man sends a bunch of them flying and says, Taste the power of Grayskull! Hmm. I don't know what Grayskull would taste like, really. Uh, and they go running off. Aye! Run, run! And this native girl, or whatever she is, says, You saved my life. If you had not come along, I would have become a slave in Lodar's city of Targa. And He-Man says, Slavery? Here on Eternia? Who is Lodar? She says, Lodar is an evil warrior who has enslaved my people. I am the Princess Rana of Targa, and a danger to Lodar. He-Man says, No time to waste. Come on, big fella. We're off to Targa. And Battle Cat says, Good. My claws need sharpening. Is that what Battle Cat sounded like? I don't remember. So you're going to have to make do with that. Uh, He-Man says, We'll never get across this swollen river. And the river does look very swollen. <laughs> it's very, very wide. He-Man says, I'll just have to make a bridge. And he rips a massive, almost uh, redwood-sized tree out of the ground and slams it down over the river. Boom! And he starts walking across, and a boulder comes down from some hill we have not otherwise noticed. 
and uh, the girl says, He-Man, the boulder! And whack, it hits him and shatters. And uh, he falls into the water, splash. And Battle Cat says, Quick, we must get him! But, at the edge of the water, the uh, creatures from Lodar grab him and say, Ha! Strong man, come to us. We bring to Lodar. And uh, the girl says, uh, We haven't heard her name, have we? Isn't that funny? Has a whole conversation with her, saves her life. Never finds out her name. So she says, Oh no, He-Man's out cold, and the kobolds have captured him. And they go. she goes running off on Battle Cat. She says, They will throw him into their dungeon, where so many of my people have disappeared. And, indeed, we see him being loaded into a... Uh, a wooden paddy wagon, you might say. And then they shoot off what looks like a dream catcher. It's the net. Uh, but it sure looks like a dream catcher with th uh, four little rockets around it. It goes whoosh into the air. And then comes down around Battle Cat and this woman. And Battle Cat says, Snarl! A trap! Run, Rana! The creatures say, Too late! Lodar want princess. <laughs> so now we're at the jail in a cell. And He-Man is here with a man who looks very much like, I want to say, an Iroquois uh, Native American warrior. And he says, Well, what be this person that Lodar's foul beasts drag in? He-Man says, I, I don't know. I can't remember my name or who I am. And a very decrepit-looking person, manacled to the wall, says, Ye be lucky, youngin. Them what remembers fare not well. And, uh... Is anybody seeing that, like, maybe there's... Could there actually be social commentary going on here about Native Americans and that they are slaves here? Um, and being attacked and all that? Or is it almost like exploitation so that they can do figure, action figures of them? I'm not going to read a whole lot into that, or try not to. Anyway, the creatures swing open the door to the cell and they say, Lodar want Garn, and new one. And so they bring them before their leader, Lodar. And they say, bow before Lodar. And uh, Garn bows, but He-Man punches that one, uh, swings his arm back behind him and punches him and says, I bow to no one, especially anyone like you. And Lodar says, Let us hope you are as brave as your words. Feel my magic! <laughs> and he puts out his arm and uh, his hand and beams come from each of his fingers. And so uh, these beams shoot across at He-Man, who does some kind of flying leap sideways, and, and he says, Missed! Uh, Lodar says, Stand back! This shall be my wish. Garn and the stranger will fight in the arena of death. 
the the victor will go free. And uh, all of his henchmen are pointing their spears right at He-Man. So I guess he has no choice but to go along with this. So we see now that they're in a large coliseum. And they have weapons. And He-Man says, I bear no ill against you, Garn. And as they bring their weapons together, Garn says, It be to the death, stranger. You are my passport to freedom. And uh, Garn slams his mace against... By the way, do you know what a mace is? It's not the thing that you spray at people to incapacitate them without killing them. It is a uh, handled weapon with a long handle and a spiked ball, a spiked sphere at the end of it. So, extremely horrible to get hit by. Anyway, uh, so he slams that against He-Man's shield, and we see them fighting more back and forth. And Garn says, Ye be strong, but Garn shall win. Hiya! And he leaps into the air under or over He-Man's swing and swings his mace and hits He-Man in the face. And He-Man says, Ah! My head! Uh, He-Man says, Now I remember! He suddenly remembers, remembers everything. Uh, and he yells, I am He-Man! And he slams Garn like 20 feet away with one uh, punch. And He-Man says, Enough fighting, Garn. You will have your freedom. And uh, what was his name? Galdor? Lodar. Lodar says, The stranger has the right to kill Garn. He-Man says, There will be no blood shed today, Lodar. And He-Man jumps up onto the podium where Lodar is. Uh, punches him in the chest, fall, uh, Lodar starts falling backwards, but then returns a punch, thwack to He-Man's chest, and a kick to He-Man's face, and uh, He-Man, it, it's, it's kind of like they're jousting, and uh, Lodar's punch just misses He-Man's face, while right beside it, He-Man's arm uh, punches Lodar in the face. And uh, Lodar is on the ground and kicks He-Man. He-Man punches him again. Bam! And he, and he goes flying a little ways. Um, and then we have Lodar's henchmen uh, watching. And over their heads are just tons of sound effects. Crack, brack, uh, blam, grunt, zot, etc. And He-Man Punches Lodar on the face again. A lot of this. Um, and then finally picks Lodar up and yells. Uh, Lodar yells, Yeah, guards! Guards! And He-Man actually throws Lodar into the guards with a big crash. And Lodar is laying on the ground and still uses his hand to try to zap He-Man. And that's what the sound effect is. Zap. And He-Man uses his sword and slams the the uh, laser or whatever it is it's a magic laser I guess back at Lodar and says take a little of your own magic and 
Lodar goes as he gets fried by his own his own power. And his henchmen yell, Run! Lodar magic no more! And they all say, Hooray! Yay! Hail He-Man! <laughs> uh, I think that's the, uh, the people that he's been enslaving, or otherwise dominating. And uh, Battle Cat says, Glad to be out of that dungeon! <laughs> uh, and the woman says, He-Man, what, what shall we do with Lodar? He-Man says, We'll put him where he can't hurt anyone anymore. And Lodar is laying on the ground, uh, tied up in chains. He-Man says, Underground with his friends, the Kobolds. Lodar says, No, not that. I have no magic without the sun and the moon. Is he Superman? Um, the, the woman says, My people! Lodar has been banished from Targa thanks to He-Man. And she says, He-Man, won't you stay with us? No, Princess Rana. Battlecat and I will return to visit. But now we're off for home. The end. And he rides off on Battlecat. Ah, wasn't that fun? And on the back of it, uh, we have an ad for the Masters of the Universe action figures. And... Uh, we have Battle Armor He-Man, which was another dumb gimmick where his armor changes if you uh, smack the front of him. The thing was, though, it was really crappy quality the way that worked, so usually it would get completely stuck in the um, battle scarred state, and you would not be able to rotate it back to being normal. Um, <laughs> boy, the things I remember, huh? And then we have Manny Faces, Ram Man... Battle Armor Skeletor, same concept. Uh, Triclops, uh, who was uh, a... Well, he was like a Cyclops, but he had one eye on each... Uh, on the front and on the left and the right sides of his head. And uh, it says... Under him it says, Evil and sees everything. Really? Okay. <laughs> he didn't see everything. But. Uh, and then we have Trapjaw, who, as I've said, was kind of my favorite. So... Uh, we're going to check out the next comic book here. And I think we'll just do one more, unfortunately. Maybe we'll do another episode where we do the, uh, the longer narrated versions of these comics. But we're just going to do one more, uh, regular edition. And I don't know if this is the one you were hoping for, but it's The Stench of Evil. <laughs> yes, the one that came with the two dumb, stinky Masters of the Universe figures. And, uh, so on the cover we have the skunk guy, which I can't remember his name, Skunkor. Uh, and his stench is, is choking He-Man. He-Man is dropping his sword because the stench is so awful. Yeah, it's just very funny to see He-Man being attacked by a skunk, basically. So... Uh, on the first page, we have uh, the sorceress, and it says, The sorceress, in the form of a falcon, soars over the forests of Eternia. And she comes and lands on the ground and says, Moss man, I sense you are here. Come forth and tell me how I may help you. 
And he comes out of the bushes and says, Thank you for coming, sorceress. I need your ability to speak to animals. And uh, Moss Man, of course, yes, he's the guy with the stinky, stinky moss all over his body. And he says, uh, I have found this cub. She says, What is your trouble, little one? The cub says, I didn't pay attention when I went out to play, and now I'm lost. Sorceress says, Will you protect the cub until I return? Mossman says, I will. And she flies up into the air as a bird and says, She finds a large bird standing on its hind legs and says, She bear, have you lost a cub? <laughs> and the bear says, Yes, sorceress, and I have been so worried. Worry not, worry no longer, for he is safe. Follow me. And Sorceress leads him, leads the bear to, uh, to its cub. And she comes back into human form and, and says, It was very kind of you to care for the lost cub. And Mossman says, I love all the forest creatures, though I love the plants best of all. And he's outstretching his arms. Uh, he says, What bothers you, my lady? She says, I sense something forbidding watching us from afar. And I fear something evil is plotting against us. And here we see Skeletor's cauldron. And Skeletor is standing over it and says, Indeed, I am watching you, sorceress. Your goodness disgusts me. Things are too happy in Eternia for my satisfaction. What mischief can I use against them? Of course! He yells, his arms outstretched. I know just who I shall use. And he gets into his vehicle that has a shark's head for, uh, for a front. Um, wow. And he uh, comes to a stop and says, Your master calls you. Come forth, Stinkor. And Stinkor comes out from the bushes or behind a tree and says, What does the great Skeletor want of me? Yeah, that's going to be Stinkor's voice. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, and Skeletor says, Stinkor, with your powerful smell, I would like you to spread your foul odor where the air is clean and bring misery to a place that is full of happiness. Yes, yes, I revel in all that is foul. And Skeletor says, Then let us take the smell of evil to Eternia! <laughs> That's his evil plan. So, soon the two villains reach the forest, and Stinkor fills the air with a foul odor. Um, isn't this just shocking? That, like, this is what Skeletor spends his time planning and trying to do? Just... The sorceress rescuing a bear makes him so angry that <laughs> that he goes out and tries to ruin the forest. Okay. So, uh, we see animals trying to get away, and it says, Unable to bear the evil smell, the animals flee. Stinkor's odor spreads, polluting the skies and driving away the birds. And we see it going up into the sky and many birds uh, trying to fly away. And Stinkor says, Look, Skeletor, see how everything runs from me. 
and uh, Moss Man is watching the animals flee past him, and he says, All of the creatures of the forest flee! But why? There is no fire. Who could drive them to this? Even the ants and beetles and insects are leaving. But my forest cannot live without its animal friends, both large and small. <laughs> I will search the forest until I find what terrible thing has caused this. And he flees back into the forest. Um... And we have a scene in a town here with the stink to slowly going towards it. And it says, Stinkor and Skeletor come to a village at the edge of the forest. And Skeletor says, What happy fools they are! Drive them from their homes! And one of the townspeople says, That smell! It's worse than a hundred skunks! Run! Before it poisons us with its horrible stench! And uh, the sorceress was flying, and she comes down and becomes human and says, Why do you run from the forest? She says this to the two bears. And the mama bear says, Skeletor has come and brought with him a being who spreads an odor throughout the forest that is so terrible we cannot remain and breathe it. And she says, Then I must summon help at once. And some sort of plasma thing flies out of her head. Uh, that's her telepathic ability. And uh, it says, At that moment, in the royal palace, uh, we have a trainer talking to Prince Adam. And the trainer says, A genuine wild wolf, Prince Adam. I only want a few coins for him. He will make a wonderful pet. Uh, Prince Adam says, it is one thing to have a domestic animal as a pet, but to take a wild creature from its natural home is wrong. The trainer says, but, but, your highness, I will give him to you. Free! Prince Adam says, I command you to free him immediately. Uh, I think my Prince Adam and or He-Man is turning into John Wayne. Anyway, uh, so he lets the wolf free and it goes... Uh, galloping off, jumps over, uh, jumps over a wall, and so there's shades of uh, Teddy Roosevelt not wanting to kill the bear that had been uh, tied up for him to to hunt. I guess that's not really hunting, is it? If they just kind of give him a bear. Uh, anyway, hence the story. So uh, Tila says to He-Man, or sorry, to Prince Adam, Adam, you're so wise. And then all of a sudden, uh, the sorceress's telepathy kicks in, and uh, her face appears next to Prince Adam, and, and she says, Skeletor ravages the forest with a stench so foul it cannot be endured. Summon He-Man and all the warriors of Eternia. And Prince Adam runs off and says, Excuse me, I must go. So... He runs off and raises his sword in the air and says, By the power of Grayskull! Kaboom! I have the power! <laughs> and he's He-Man. He always has to reaffirm to himself that he has the power. You ever notice that? Uh, and then uh, Battle Cat says, But I want to go too! And He-Man is getting up onto this 
Oh gosh, do you remember this? It's uh, like a a vehicle slash um, carrying compartment that is shaped like uh, the bones of a dinosaur. The bones of like a brontosaurus or something. And that's what He-Man is, is getting up on. And he says, You won't be able to withstand the smell, Battle Cat. That's why we're taking Battle Bones. Yep, that's what that was called. Battle Bones. Uh, I'm counting on you to guard the palace, my friend. And it says, The long legs of Battle Bones quickly carry the heroes toward the forest. And up in the sky... Uh, Stratos is flying along with Sorceress, and he says, I see something. I'll investigate. And Sorceress says, Stratos, beware. You're too close. And Stratos says, That smell! I can't stand it! And he, uh, his body is buckling, and he's probably going to fall out of the air. And Skeletor below says, Now, while he's helpless, I'll strike! And he uh, has his little short um, wand with the crystal ball on the end of it. And he blasts Stratos out of the air. Zock! And He-Man says, Stratos is down, but you still have us to face. Skeletor says, This blast spell will boost your power for battle, Stinkor. Give them your worst! And he blasts Stinkor and... Um, I don't know, Stinkor is bathed in some yellow energy, and Tila is, Tila and He-Man are feeling the stink, (laughs) and she says, it's so horrible, I can't breathe. He-Man thinks to himself, if only I can hold my breath long enough to strike. And Skeletor says, Stand aside, Stinkor, while I finish them. Uh, and Skeletor receives a uh, like a telepathic message, and it says, You've forgotten me. Skeletor says, What? Who's there? As he turns. I'm here. No, over here. This way. And Skeletor is like going all over the place. And suddenly Skeletor goes into a pit, and he goes, Yay! Uh, like, why, I, 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 e, 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 that's what that is. And Mossman comes to the edge of the pit and says, Welcome, Skeletor, to the trap I laid for you. Skeletor says, This pit won't hold me for long, and someday I'll have my revenge on you. Uh, and He-Man is, now, we see He-Man laying on the ground and Stinkor standing above him, and Stinkor says, You'll have to breathe soon, He-Man. And then... Uh, suddenly a clod of dirt hits Stinkor in the side of the face. That's a great weapon, right? And uh, Mossman says, Hey, Clod! Stinkor turns around and says, Who threw that? Show yourself, coward! And Mossman comes out of the bushes yet again. I guess he can blend in with bushes because he's covered in moss. And because you only see one of his legs, part of one arm, and uh, just the rest of his body, and, and a, a whole arm. And he says, I threw it. Stinkor says, Take this, the stench of evil. Mossman says, 
I have surrounded myself with pure oxygen from the trees of the forest. <laughs> Your foul odor can't touch me, as he grabs Stinkor. And uh, he has like he does have a force field of pure oxygen around him, I guess. And then he he uh, he grips Stinkor and tosses him into a bunch of flowers, and says. But now, I have a smell for you. And Stinkor lands in the flowers and says, What's that horrible smell? It smells. It smells good. I can't stand it. <laughs> As he's just sitting covered in flowers. And he jumps back up and says, I'm going back to my own forest, where everything smells as bad as me. I'll never come back here again. And Sorceress uh, comes down to the ground and says, Once again, I'm in your debt, Moss Man. He-Man comes up and says, Well done, Moss Man. And Tila, they all come up. Uh, we have Man-at-Arms, Stratos, and Tila's leaning over and picking a tulip and says, But why did he run away? These flowers smell fresh and sweet. He-Man says, Not everyone sees things the same. And Moss-Man says, What is perfume to us is poison to Stinkor. And Sorceress says, That is why we must always value the beautiful things in life and fight for them so they can never be taken away from us. The end. Um, what a nice little story. <laughs> uh, we get a battle and a little lesson about the environment, I guess. But uh, we're running over time here, so I think that'll be the end of the episode. And I hope everybody enjoyed that and that little trip back to these tiny comic books that came with your action figures back in about 1983 to 1986. Um, so, I hope you enjoyed this new episode of Comics on Infinite Earths. I would also like to suggest you go check out my podcast, which is uh, Comics I Read to You, and... I, I read comics to you and usually make fun of them, but it's kind of fun. Uh, and you can find that on iTunes, or the actual website is comicsireadtoyou.podbean.com. So, uh, have a great day, everybody. Be good to each other. Masters of the Universe collection, each sold separately. Other action figures also sold separately from Mattel.